Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a Tuesday morning where I guess it's supposed to get up to 68 degrees in St. Louis. Windy this afternoon, CD, but at least we can get outside. Who can figure this thing out? Nobody. I I mean, it, it is a tough difficult task to figure out the weather. Yeah, I actually Especially give, in St. Louis. Yeah, I give the meteorologists the total benefit of the doubt, but I also think they have the best gig in media. Yeah. Because you can, you can, I mean, they don't want to be wrong. They never want to be wrong, but yeah, I mean, a slight thing here or there changes everything, right? right? Yeah. It could be snowing in in, in a few hours and and no one would bat an eye. That's the thing. And (laughs) they still get paid. If they're trying that on FanDuel Sportsbook. They don't get paid, huh? (laughs) No, no. They're they're losing money. So uh, here's what we got coming up today on the program. Darren Pang is going to join us for his normal Tuesday visit at 8.15. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne coming up at 9.30. And then we've got a balloon party for you coming up at 10 o'clock with T-Mac and Ajax. The Blues falling last night at home to the Dallas Stars by a score of 4-1. to one. And, Kerry, I, I didn't think the Blues played bad. I actually thought they played even with Dallas. Dallas... They got a couple past Jordan Bennington, and the Blues couldn't do anything against Scott Wedgwood. Yeah, I, I don't think they play that poorly either. I think they were just against a better team. And yeah. sometimes you play against a better team, and the better team wins. Uh, and that seemed to be the case last night. Um, there were a couple of goals. I thought Bennington, uh, uh, I, I wish he would have stopped. But, you know, I, I, all in all, they were playing a better team. Dallas came out, did their job, uh, and the Blues took a loss. And you, you're going to play 82 games. You're not going to win them all. But I think the thing that we have discussed is how do the losses look? Mm-hmm. And last night wasn't a terrible loss from, from how it looked. So you can take it, you can rebound, and, and come back and get ready for the next one. And the Blues did have a chance. Dallas was already up by a score of 2-0 as they played in the third period when the Blues gave themselves an opportunity. Not Olivo. They shoot. They deflect. They score! Olivo put it in front. Brandon Saad deflected it in. This line sparks the Blues for the second straight game. Pulls them into the game. It's 2-1 to one with 6.43 to go in the third period. And that gave the Blues some momentum. They played a lot in the offensive zone, but Man, they, they got the puck in the offensive zone. Miko Mikola trying to take a shot, and the wrong guy got a hold of it. Kairou, they got it back. Mikola takes a wrist shot. That's blocked. Here comes Robertson flying up the right wing. Falk trying to get back in on him. Does, but Robertson scores. 3-1, to one, Dallas. Robertson, nothing all game till right there, and he puts the Blues down by two. 
4.06 to go in the third period. Roberts is now 19 goals in 23 games for Dallas this year, and Dallas wins it by a score of 4-1. They get a, an empty netter from Heiskanen later on. Here is Blues coach Craig Berube on the Blues' performance. Well, we were solid. I thought, uh, you know, played 40 minutes. You know, third, we were um, didn't quite grab a hold of the play enough, you know. Um couple broken plays and it went in our net like um, I would have liked to seen us you know have a more of a, an attack mentality in the third period and try to really get some action at the net and we didn't uh, we didn't have the puck enough in the third first two periods over good hockey but we played a really disciplined game had our chances you know we didn't score and Darren Pang said after the Robertson goal that Mikola has to get the puck in deep, but things are happening so fast. And we'll ask Panger about this because Mikola was trying to take a shot, get a yeah. shot on goal like Ruby was talking yeah. about, trying to get the puck to the net. And instead, Robertson's right there to yeah. pick it off and fly down the ice for the goal. And he was flying, and there was no catching <laughs> him. Man, what a sniper. <laughs> it was. It was a great goal. Uh, there was a play early in the game. I think, I want to say the first couple of minutes of the first period, uh, Levo took a shot. I think it was Levo. And he should. I felt that he should have dumped it off to Tarasenko right on the right wing. And, and Tarasenko Mm-hmm. would have had a wide open goal um, and it's just the minor things like that if you are it, it, I was I was Levo right? <laughs> right 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 and, and Tarasenko <laughs> would be Willie Parker get him the ball, get him the ball. <laughs> right so you know you, you want to make sure your guys get those touches and get those opportunities um, and so I, I think that was a, uh, an opportunity early in the game where you could have got Tarasenko going got him a shot mm-hmm. on goal and potentially got up in the game um, but it didn't happen. Levo took the shot he missed, and you know then it kind of it, it, it kind of went downhill from there. And we should note that Robert Thomas didn't play a lower body injury, and he's day today got hurt late in the game against the Panthers on Saturday night, and we didn't see him last night. And it's a different team if they don't have Robert yeah. Thomas. He's their he, well percentage wise, he's their, he's their leading scorer. Yeah, yeah, and I mean anytime you have your guys out, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Each team is dealing with injuries. Once the season gets rolling, you're you're a fourth of the way uh, into the season. You know you're going to have some guys getting hurt, getting banged up. Um, but like I said, I think all in all, they didn't play poorly last night. They just ran into a team that mm-hmm. was a better team right now. And the Blues will play the Hurricanes tomorrow night. It's Earth or Thursday night, rather. Thursday night, today, and tomorrow. Off days for the Blues. And then Hockey Fights Cancer Night against the Hurricanes on Thursday night, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Last night at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Benny Snell scored on a two-yard run, capping an 11-play, 75-yard drive in the fourth quarter. And uh, Kerry's Pittsburgh Steelers beat Kerry's Indianapolis Colts hey. by a score of 24-17. to 17. <laughs> I was rooting for the Steelers there. I had no doubt about it. The Colts got a ring from after one game. Yeah. <laughs> the Steelers were where my heart lies. Uh, but, no, it was a good game by them. I think, you know, for the, uh, for the Steelers, Everyone is so worried about Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. and, and what he is and who he is. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's a quarterback that is – he's a young guy. He's going to figure some things out. And he's found a connection with George Pickens that they got rid of Claypool. I said it – I knew it when, when – I said this before, but for those that didn't hear it, Chase Claypool is the one that announced the pick of George Pickens. I knew at that moment that Chase Claypool would not be in a Steelers <laughs> uniform for much longer. It was very, it was very mm-hmm. interesting that he was the one chosen to go up there and read George Pickens' name, and now he's the one being replaced by uh, George Pickens. And 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 Pickens is going to be a stud in this league. You know, they got Deontay Johnson on the other side who hasn't caught a touchdown all year, but it's still a guy you have to be concerned with because he's caught a hundred balls in the last three, uh, two or three years. 
they are a team that is going to figure some things out. They're young. I love what they do on defense, especially with T.J. Watt back. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure it out, and they they and you said this off air earlier, Randy. You still think they finished above? They finished above five hundred this do. year. It's still a, still an opportunity, still a possibility. So, got some games to win, but Kenny Pickett is going to be okay. You watch the game differently than we do because you played the game. Are their offensive linemen okay, or do they, is what they're dealing with a schematic issue or a personnel issue? It's a schematic issue. It's 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 it is. There was a point last night. I don't know if, if if you watched the. It's on it's on on Twitter. The Colts defense said they're running the same plays. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows <laughs> they are running the same plays. And there was a the third period, the third period, the third quarter um, when they got the ball after the Colts went down and scored, had the long kickoff return, went down and scored. It seemed as though they got two three and outs back to back. They were run run on first down. Which if you are an offense. You have to change it up. You have to throw on first down, run some play action on first down. And they did that on the third drive, and obviously, and, and we're able to finally get going. But if you are running the same things over and over again, it's going to be hard for your offense to have success. Defenses are going to know what's coming. And, um, you know, you got to give your guys an opportunity. And I think this offseason is going to be a very important offseason for, for Mike T and trying to figure out what he's going to do with that offensive coordinator. Why is it that I can sit in a basement in St. Louis and be a better play caller than Matt Canada? Well, because you, you understand that don't run on first and second down each the start of each drive. <laughs> now you're in third and five every time. and. Yeah. Now the defense knows you're passing. It makes life a lot easier on the defense when they have an idea as to what's coming. We've got the World Cup soccer today that we're going to be watching, the USA and Iran. Matthew Rocchio is going to be tuned into that one. I like that. Good job, Randy. Iran playing in Qatar. So you've got Qatar. like Qatar. You've got the the oppression double play going, and so this one's for freedom. <laughs> this this one's for America, right here, right. This Indeed. one's for democracy. Also, we're gonna at nine thirty in rock and roll. It's it's funny because right after we got finished yesterday, I found some audio of Tyler Adams, uh, one of the American soccer stars, getting uh, called out by somebody for mispronouncing uh, their their opponent today. Oh, really? And I thought he had okay. a great response to it. All right, good. I, I like to hear that. And let's so, go freedom. Yeah, and there will be a lot of places <laughs> to watch that game. I, I know that they're going to be showing it at the Fenton Bar and Grill if you want to watch the USA and Iran. And what's up with the schedule change? Two games each at 9 and 1 now? Yeah, I don't know what the heck this this whole thing is. I didn't even notice this yesterday, but I got up this morning. And kind of, you know, when I wake up, it's kind of a perfect time to catch the last 20 minutes, including on my drive into the station, of, the, of that, like, 4.30 a.m. game that it usually ends around 7 o'clock. And I woke up this morning to see that there is a schedule change now in the um, World Cup. And instead of there being a like 5 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 1 p.m. game, they've now changed it to two games at 9 a.m. and two games at 1 p.m. Central. And mm-hmm. I don't know why they would do that because I thought the staggered way of being able to watch all four each day was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But I guess now, you know, if you're not up at 5.15 in the morning to catch the last 20 minutes of game one. It's a nice little schedule change. But yeah, so there will be two games at 9, two games at 1 p.m., so there will be no uh, live score in our first uh, update here right, at 7.30. We'll, we'll be tuned in. And one college football note, Hugh Freeze officially hired to be the Auburn football coach. He has made a nice comeback. This is a guy that used a company phone to call escorts. Got fired for it. <laughs> Got it. Now, maybe Mississippi's different. There's a lot of places where if you used a company phone to call a legal escort in Michigan, 
You, you wouldn't get fired if you were winning. He was winning, but he got whacked anyway. Well, he got fired anyway. He got both, okay? He got both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he's well, the, all right. He's a, he's, a, he's a great offensive mind, and he'll be the new head coach at Auburn, and I think that's a good hire on their part. Uh, Hugh Freeze is the one that, that was injured or, or sick and in the press box in the, on, a stretcher, oh, I, yeah. on, on, a, on a hospital bed. Yeah, He's great. dedicated to the game. I, I will tell you that. Maybe dedicated to a few other things as well, but definitely dedicated to the game of football. It's a stressful job, and Gary. You got to relieve stress in the best way you can, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever way you can. But uh, this is, uh, you know, Auburn was, was there were talks that, that um, Lane Kiffin may be taking mm-hmm. the job. You know, you've heard uh, Dion's name associated, attached to it as well. I, I will have to say, I know he did a great job at Liberty. He, he Malik Willis was a third-round draft pick last season. He did a great job developing him and, 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 and nurturing him to be the quarterback that he's going to become. It's going to be – I want to see what he does at Auburn, though. I want to see how well – I know offensively he's a he's what you would call – some would call a genius. He does a great job schematically designing offenses and getting guys, you know, in the best places to be open and make plays. So I want to see how well he's able to do at Auburn. And we all know – we talked about it yesterday – Alabama Auburn, you got to mm-hmm. win that game. Yep. If you can win that game, you can keep your job. And, and he so, beat Saban twice in a row at Ole Miss. There you go. So he'll have an opportunity to do that a couple times in the next couple of years. And a little bit of opening drive trivia. Even though it was Freeze that made the phone calls, it was Matthew Rocchio that ultimately got him fired. What? Really? Oh, I yeah. Do I, tell. I, I forgot that was Hugh Freeze. Um, I. I was uh, covering the NFL draft that year. And, the combine, right? Uh, no, the draft. Okay. Yeah, it was the draft. And uh, after Laramie Tunsil got drafted, the hoopla around him that year was the gas mask video. Mm-hmm. But he had started talking about his time at Old Miss, and I just he said he made a comment that was weird. I can't remember exactly what his wording was. And I was like, Larry, I just need you to clarify. Did you just say that you got rent money and utility money from your coaching staff while you were at Ole Miss? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh. Just casually, just like, yeah, I did. And I went to, to ask a follow-up, and was he was quickly ushered off stage by the PR person. But yeah, that was that, 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 really? was, that was when I made my Sports Center debut. I was off to the side asking a question on really? Sports because Larry Tunsil decided to come Completely throw his college program under the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. He literally just goes, "Yeah." <laughs> I, I'll, I'll never forget. Like I have, I have, I had like my the thing recording out of a malt box, and I'm looking at it, making sure I'm picking up the audio. And he says it, and I just like looked around. At everybody, I'm like, that. Am I the only one who just heard him say those words exactly? I forgot about that. Thank you, Randy. Oh. And so, if Mizzou loses to Auburn in the next few years, blame, blame Rock. Blame Rock. <laughs> Coming up next, a lot of talk about the transfer portal in college football, especially here in the St. Louis area with Dominic Lovett apparently set to enter the transfer portal. The question, should there be a franchise tag in college football? We'll tell you how it'd work and what a great idea it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Right after we got off the air yesterday on the heels of the report that former East St. Louis and current Mizzou wide receiver Dominic Lovett is going to enter the transfer portal, Luther Burden, the top recruit in the nation last year at Mizzou, 
tweeted, I'm now playing with a chip on my shoulder in this bowl game. Let's go to work. I'm not going anywhere. Tiger for life. M-I-Z. Go to Schnooks and grab a bag of LB3 chips so you can snack like you have a chip on your shoulder during the big game too. Hashtag Mizzou for life. And of course, you can get those old Vienna Luther Burden Red Hot Ripplets at Schnooks every day. But CD... Great marketing by him, by the way. Great move, yeah. yeah. So outstanding team he has working with him. He's a, yeah. he's on his way. <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing it right, no doubt about it. So we were sitting around talking about Dominic Lovett and about other transfers because Arlen Harris Jr. is transferring from Stanford. There's a, USC has twenty different transfers on their team this year, and they're going to be playing in the playoff and. Lots of those guys have made tremendous impacts, including Caleb Williams, their quarterback, who's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. So I raise the question, should college football have a franchise tag, whereby if a university program wanted to keep a player who was prepared to enter the transfer portal, they could offer him the average of the 10 highest NILs in FBS. So if, if you have 10 players and they're making an average of $1.3 million, that would be the NIL payment that you'd have to provide a player. And it would be a requirement. It would be part of signing your agreement to go to the school that uh, you could be franchised, but only one guy could be franchised and not if the coach leaves or is fired. So I I, I, I love the, the, the thought of it. Here's my question. If you are at Tulane mm-hmm. and you want to franchise tag a kid, can you can can you afford it? If you in comparison to if you're at USC or or if you're at Kent State. So I, I think the key here, Kerry, and I know this is unfair to the FCS schools, but we can't compare the finances generated by FBS schools to, to FCS yeah, yeah, schools. Yeah. Well, I think we have to make this a Power 5 thing. Okay, so Power 5 only. Because they make their okay. own rules anyway, right? The Power 5 makes the, they run the college football playoffs. So if you're at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. do you have the, you the franchise? You can get franchise. But and, Vanderbilt and, would have to choose to pay you, though. That's the key. Is they, they would have to find the NIL money to pay you and be able to still build a team around you. Wow. Uh, so it, we're turning. So collegiate sports is no it's longer. Pro. No, it's, 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 it's pro. It, it it essentially is when yeah. you have the NIL and the ability to leave and go without any, you know, really real real repercussions. It allows these young men to. And I'm not a I'm not opposed to it at all as, as far as the NIL and the transfer portal because I think it allows those kids to have an opportunity to go somewhere else and start over. The only issue that I do have is it also allows kids to go somewhere else and start over. <laughs> and I say that because there are times, and it's a fine line, you have to figure out, do I need to stick this out? Is this just a, a, a matter of me fighting through some adversity, fighting through and, and working a little bit harder and finding my way? Or is it I'm never going to play here? They've shown me that maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe they don't think I'm good enough. And it's not going to work. You look at a kid like Jamison Williams, who was at Ohio State, mm-hmm. was the third receiver. The two receivers in front of him got drafted. Olave and 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 um, Garrett, uh, Wilson. Garrett Wilson got drafted. He goes to Alabama and has a a, a, a breakout season and becomes a first round draft pick as well. He was still the same player at Ohio State, just not enough not enough pa- the balls to be passed around. But there are players that are that are leaving situations, and I think it's building a culture that. 
guys are not willing to stick it out and fight through well, and work through situations. And they're being recruited by other schools during the season, too, too, which is an issue. But not that, that that's, rules, And that's illegal. Yeah, but yeah, they, but they, not they, that they, rules have ever been followed correct, in college. But correct. now you're in a position where you literally have coaches from Team A calling players or players' representatives from Team B and recruiting. And that's how a USC winds up with 20 different guys that decide, oh, I want to follow Lincoln Riley to, to Los Angeles. Right. Well, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen when you have college kids, you have kids in general, they're going to communicate with one another. They're going to figure out who wants to do mm-hmm. what, what feels, what's the best situation for each person involved. And like I said, I, I, I think, I told you my story. When I got to college, uh, I was frustrated. <laughs> I wanted to leave. My uh, my dad's twin brother is an was an AD at a, at a JUCO, a head coach. He did everything at the JUCO, and and I and he called me and he said, "Kerry, sit down. You're young. You're a freshman. Mm-hmm. You're not strong enough yet. Get some. Get stronger. Get better. Learn the offense, and then you'll be ready. You're 18. There are 22 year olds that you're going to be going up against, and so just that in itself made me say, "Okay, I have to fight through this." And then I became a three year starter. That's not everyone's story. Everyone's story is different, mm-hmm. but I think that with the transfer portal, it does allow kids an opportunity to leave if it's best, but it also, it, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. I do believe that implementing something like this w- would force, basically it would be a quarterback rule, but it would force schools to make a decision. For example, if you are Missouri and you want to keep Love It, then you leave a guy like Luther Burden unprotected. Mm. And that's that's the, an the, issue. I would think that this ultimately, it, and it'll never happen because the NCAA and the Power Five, they don't have the organization to implement yeah. something like this. I just think it would be a fun idea. And I think it would protect some of the, especially the Illinois and Missouris and Michigan states and Maryland's of the world that get that, Mrs. Ole Miss, yeah. that get that odd best player in the country, but then Alabama and Georgia are coming after him. Right. It would give schools an opportunity to protect a player and keep him on your roster for another year. Yeah, I think it's I think it's all of that. I think as a coaching staff, you have to build relationships with the young men in order to, for them to to stay. You have to recruit them to come to your school and then you have to recruit them to stay at Which your school problem, and and yeah. you have to be able to put put them in a position to understand, hey, this is what we need to do to be successful. I look at a school, you know, I, I'm sure Jackson State has had kids leave, but but Jackson State has also had a bunch of kids come in mm-hmm. to the FCS level to to decide, hey, I want to go play with Dion, play for Dion, and 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 be on be a part of what he's he's go- got going on down there. I think it's about the people, and and if you are a coach that is open and willing to help kids evolve and become better and and understand how to be the best version of themselves, then you have a better chance of keeping kids on your team and in your program. I do wonder, Carrie, if Nick Saban is the Nick Sabans of the world. There's only one. But I'm talking about guys that coach hard. If those guys are going to become dinosaurs, because players now, you're a coach. Players yeah. don't love being coached hard now. They they go and accept Saban because they know they're going to be a first-round pick in the NFL. But if you want aren't guaranteed of going there and being a first-round pick in the NFL, is a player going to stick around to be coached hard, even if they're winning? I think it it depends on the player. And and I think when you are recruiting as a coach, you need to know what type of players you have or what type of guy you're going after. I can tell – and that comes from talking to the high school coaches. Also, high school coaches need to be honest with the college coaches. But it comes from those conversations and understanding – does this young man love football? Is he going to fold when you get on him about his play or his performance? 
if that if the answer is no, he doesn't really love football. Yeah, he's going to fall. You don't need that kid. It don't matter. It doesn't matter how talented he is because it's at the end of the day, football is a, is is me versus you. And 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 if I am unwilling to go hard enough to to go against you and make sure that I am not going to fold in that moment. It's not going to work out for you. There's going to be times where it's going to be extremely hard. You're mm-hmm. not going to be the best player on the field, and you're going to have to work through it. And if you don't have those guys on your team, you're not going to win games. And I think that's what Dion has done, yep. and I think that's what Saban has done. He finds guys, they find guys that love football because they love football. And if you love football, you understand this is how we have to go about it to be successful. I don't know how they ever hash this situation out because – Nick Saban said when the transfer portal came into play, when the the rule of having to sit out for a year ended, where you could just go somewhere and play right now, he said, this isn't going to hurt us. No. Right? It, the rich are going to get richer. Last year, his best defensive, best offensive players were transfers. This year, his best defensive, best offensive players are transfers. We look at USC, one of the most remarkable turnarounds in college football history with 20 transfers. It's going to be USC. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Auburn. Ohio State's going to get in the the transfer portal game. Texas is all over the transfer portal game. The teams, Tennessee, we're seeing it, right? The teams that have the most money to spend with NIL money are going to be poaching players from mid-level FBS programs from here on forward unless something is done to keep players in place. And by the way, ultimately, that's going to affect the quality of the product. It, it will, and, and it will be... <laughs> It will be the the same teams over and over mm-hmm. and over again in those final four or the final twelve. That that's what's going to happen. It, it it's it's inevitable that when you are the rich of the rich, the rich keep getting richer. That's what's going to happen. Those teams are going to find the best players. Those best players are going to want to play for those teams, and those teams are going to be the teams that are consistently in the in the having an opportunity to win a championship. Is it that much smaller of a club than it already is? No, it's it's not going to change. The Blue Bloods are still going to rule. If you look at the top 20 from 30, 40, 50 years ago, the Blue Bloods that you, you see at the top right now are the same Blue Bloods that were at the top then. Will a season like, let's say, this year's South Carolina become a thing of the past? An unranked squad being able to beat a couple Blue Bloods maybe twice in the same year because of the discrepancy maybe as rosters start to separate and the Blue Bloods just slowly but surely continue to just pick up the best players after they have good years at these smaller schools. No, it's going to come to good coaching is really going to be important. That's the that is what I was going to say. There have to be be yeah, you would be surprised how many coaches are terrible that coach college football. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely terrible at their job. They they stink, whether it be in recruiting, whether it be in understanding the the, the philosophy of football, how to how to recruit, how to um, develop players. They stink, and so if you have a good team. And you have a good coaching staff. I, I, Illinois would be a, a prime example for me. They went eight and four this season. They had an opportunity to go twelve and zero. They had a real opportunity to go twelve and zero. They don't have what Alabama has. Mm-hmm. They don't have what Ohio State has. They don't have what Michigan has. But they, that team and that staff, developed those young men and allowed them to be in the best position that they could be in. And they still went eight and four. If they had the kids that Alabama has, if they had the kids that 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 that, that um, Ohio State have, they probably end up 12-0. But you have to – it's going to be a premium on coaches who can develop yep. young men, and 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 you're not going to get the first-round draft pick out of high school. You're going to have to develop him into a first-round draft that's pick. That's why Gary Pinkle was great at Mizzou. <laughs> yep. That's Kerry. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, four downs from the week in the NFL on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Four Downs in the NFL with Carrie and Randy. CD, would you like to get things started here with First Down? So the Cincinnati Bengals are a team that made it to the Super Bowl last year. They sit at 7-4 and four right now, tied atop of the AFC North with the, with the um, Baltimore Ravens. They have a huge matchup this weekend at home versus Kansas City, the team that they beat in that AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals are a team primed to do spectacular things again this season. They went into uh, Tennessee last weekend, had a huge win versus the Titans without their star running back, without their star receiver. They got T. Higgins to to he's he's a one A. Him and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is one A. T. Higgins is one B. And 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 things do not seem to stop with Jamar Chase being out. Defensively, they're still getting after the quarterback, doing what they do well. Um, but this team is a team to keep your eye on. I, I thought all season long that the Baltimore Ravens were the clear uh a, a cut favorite for the AFC North. They have lost some games, some terrible ways and and not finishing games the Baltimore Ravens have. And the Cincinnati Bengals have just been plugging their way through, just figuring it out. Joey B is 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 a guy that when you watch him, you feel confident mm-hmm. in what he's able to do. You know, he's one of those top tier, top four or five quarterbacks in the league right now. And and the way that he's playing, the way that they're playing, this is going to be a huge matchup versus the Chiefs to decide if to kind of Figure out who is gonna who is gonna be able to to take that lead in the AFC North in the AFC. And I think outside of Burrow, their best player is Jamar Chase, yes. who has not been with them for a month yep. and will be back, I believe, for that Kansas City game. Yes, and he's a difference maker. When he's on the field, you know things change. And like I said, you have T. Higgins on the opposite side. They're one A and one B. You have to figure mm-hmm. out where the coverage is going to go because Jamar Chase is so dominant in what he does. But T. Higgins has shown over the last few weeks with Jamar being out hey, I can do this as well, and he's not a problem. It's not a problem for him either. Second down. CD, history is happening, and we need to make sure that we tune in. Justin Herbert leading a seven-play, 38-yard drive in a minute and a half on Sunday, plus the two-point conversion to give the L.A. Chargers a 25-24 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Why is it historic? Let me give you some numbers here. Justin Herbert had three touchdown passes. He has 88 in his career. He passed Andrew Luck for the second-most TD passes by a player in his first three seasons in the NFL. Only Dan Marino has more. Herbert needs 10 more to tie Marino this season. Herbert has 16 career games with at least three touchdown passes. He passed Patrick Mahomes for the second most games by a player in his first three years. Only Dan Marino has more with 18 games of 300 yards in his first three seasons. Herbert can pass that. Herbert had 274 passing yards. He has 12,354 and he surpassed Peyton Manning for the second most passing yards by a player in his first three seasons. Only Andrew Luck has more. And oh, by the way, Herbert needs about 600 more yards to pass Andrew Luck. Justin Herbert in his first three years is going to wind up being the best quarterback, passing quarterback in history. And we have to watch. That's a that's a that's a great statement. He's going to wind up with the most touchdown passes mm-hmm. in his first three years, the most three hundred yard games in his first three years, and the most yards in his first three years. That's absolutely outstanding. And and 
it, it's frustrating if you're a Chargers fan because you feel like that team can be and should be better. Keenan Allen missed a lot of time this season. Mike Williams has been out. You think about it, he's throwing those touchdowns and his two star receivers have missed significant time um, um, this season. So he, he's he's a guy that you definitely have to keep an eye on and make sure uh, because he's, he's going to continue to be you know one of those top tier, top five quarterbacks for the next 10, 15 years. And by the way, he's, he's whoever they are, I don't have them on my teams, but number five and number seven, he's making those guys look pretty darn good at wide receiver. <laughs> he, he is. Palmer and I can't think of the other guy's name, but they are doing a spectacular job with, with Justin Herbert throwing in the ball. Third down. So I just talked about the Cincinnati Bengals and their matchup versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm going to talk about the Chiefs for the third down. The Kansas City Chiefs sitting at top of the all of NFL, the 9-2 best record in the league. Well, tied one Best in the conference. Best in the Best conference. In the, in, in the AFC. They are heading into Cincinnati this weekend. And, Randy, I'm going to give you a stat that that blew my mind from last night's, from, from Sunday's game uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. The running backs ran the ball 26 times. They that is something that mm. the Kansas City Chiefs have yeah. not decided no. to do, and they are they are if they run the football. Isaiah Pacheco had 22 carries, uh, only 69 yards, but had a touchdown. If they are balanced and willing to hand the ball off to the running backs, they are a t- they are a team that is going to be hard to stop. Ten receivers caught passes. There was a big deal. Tyreek Hill is gone. What are they going to do? You know what the hell they're going to do? They're going to throw the ball to Travis Kelsey. He yep. leads the he leads the league in in, in receiving touchdowns with twelve. They're going to throw the ball to him, and they're going to throw the ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantley. They're going to throw it to Juju. They're going to throw it to Sky Moore. They're going to throw it to whomever is lined up outside, whomever <laughs> is lined up in the backfield. They're going to throw the damn ball to them, and that's how they're going to figure it out. And, and Patrick Mahomes, the leading MVP candidate, once again, just stays just just consistent as possible, leading the conference in wins. They are they are the team to beat, and this is going to be an, a matchup this weekend that all eyes should be tuned into. And Kerry, don't Broncos fans just know that Melvin Gordon, who signed to the Chiefs practice squad yesterday, is going to wind up hanging on to the ball yep. and having a couple hundred yard games for the Chiefs, probably against you. Yep, he's going to run the ball well. He's going to he's going to hold on to it. He's going to score touchdowns and. For whatever reason in Denver, maybe the altitude, the ball was a little bit slippery. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He couldn't he couldn't figure out how to hold on to it, but he's going to figure some things out because Kansas City does a spectacular job of finding guys, mm-hmm. evaluating guys, and developing guys, and they have been doing it. And when you have championship franchises, those are the things that they succeed in, finding them, developing them, and making sure that they're able to play and do well when they do. By the way, my Lindenwood Logic course tells me that before the end of his career, Melvin Gordon is going to be a Raider. He's been to the Chargers, been to the Broncos, been to the Chiefs. Next. Next up. There's only one left. (laughs) My logic determines that he's rejected at least 13 phone calls from Tiki Barber. (laughs) (laughs) Fourth down. All right, CD, uh, you prevented the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals franchise, from winning their first world championship since 1947. Don't feel bad about it either. (laughs) (laughs) They they, they do not have a championship (laughs) since 1947. And you're wearing your Steelers hoodie today. I'm I'm proud of you, man. I'm glad you have that ring. I'm glad you do. Kurt Kurt Warner already had one. He did. So he's fine. So we're all good. Cardinals are 4-8. They blew his last-second lead against the Chargers at home. Cliff Kingsbury, a year after leading the team to the playoffs, appears to be on the hot seat. My question 
You get rid of Kingsbury. What next? Kyler Murray is the 24th rated passer in the league. He's 5'10", maybe 200 pounds, and he's primarily a running quarterback. But he can't see over NFL defensive lines. I don't know if there's a coach that can set up an NFL offense in which Kyler Murray thrives. There are running quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is 6'1", 223. Lamar Jackson is 6'2", 230. These are stout people that can take a hit on a regular basis. Kyler Murray... A, doesn't appear big enough to be able to handle those hits, and B, doesn't appear to play with much structure. And part of that is because he can't see over linemen. The Arizona future is murky, and even if they would hire Greg Roman, who's had great success with Colin Kaepernick, big guy, Lamar Jackson, big guy, I don't know how you turn Kyler Murray into a playoff quarterback. Well, you have to use what he does best. You have to utilize him. You have to boot. You have to roll out. You have to throw outside of the numbers. And you have to allow him to be able – if he's unable to see – and take shots downfield. I mean, you throw, he said it. D-hop is down there somewhere. You, you, mm-hmm. you got a guy like him who can go catch the ball no matter who's in front of him or who's around him. You give him those opportunities. But if you are, if you are Kyler Murray and you cannot – see over the line or see you have to find windows you have to find uh spaces in between the d linemen it's difficult because once they put their hands up it, it it's almost impossible you to can't see go through progressions can you? you you cannot but you have to find a way you you got him you signed him he does some things very well but there are some things that he doesn't do well and i think his stubbornness at times his unwillingness to to take the coaching or listen to the coaching is going to be the downfall of Cliff Kingsbury. He 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 hitched his wagon to, to Kyler Murray, and obviously he was fired from a job, and he was taking the job that was given to him, and they drafted Kyler, so he, that's where he is. But it, it, when you have a quarterback that is not playing well, it doesn't matter who you are or how much offensive mindset or skill set you have, you're going to lose your job. Ask Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. You're going to lose your job when the quarterback does not play well and you signed him to millions of dollars for the future. It's, it, it's the nature of the business and it's what happens and those guys are going to lose their jobs at some point. It may not be this year for, for Cliff Kingsbury because they just signed him to an extension, but Nathaniel Hackett definitely, I think he's out of there. But you, eventually at some point, if your quarterback doesn't play well, the onus falls on you as the head coach. And it does go back to ownership. And I really am a fan of Michael Bidwell. I think he's terrific. I think they have a pretty good staff, but I think they messed up in giving Murray all of that money and making him the number one pick in the draft. And as far as I can see, 1947 is going to be their year for a long time. Seems that way. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's four downs from the NFL. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It, and it is win and advance for the USA against Iran today at the World Cup. Take it or leave it, Kerry Davis. If USA wins today, you will watch the entirety of their next match. 
Take it. You're going to take it. I love it. I'm proud of you. Take it. Okay, good. Well, it won't be on at 5.30 a.m., right, Rob? No, no. It'll be on. Well, unless it's on. Well, if it's on in here, we can definitely get 90-plus minutes. 90-plus extra time. I like winning in, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. uh, 95 minutes. Can't forget the extra time. The 90-plus, you don't know. It could be 2, it could be 10, maybe 12. This tournament's 10. (laughs) So what's... Have you seen the line? Almost every freaking time. Are we the favorites? We being the USA? Oh, I would imagine. Let me double check here. Okay. You find the line here. I mean... I mean, they should even with their even with the way that Iran played against Wales, that United States has got to be the got to be the favorite in this game. Of course, my internet decides now is a great time to okay. not work. Well, I, I would guess that we're the favorite. We'll so pull it up. I'm be. just going to say we should be a two two goal goal and a half maybe. It would bet the under though, correct, Rock? Yeah. Always, uh, yes. I, okay. Even in a game like this, when the United States needs to win, win, win to get in, I would still say, uh, yeah, bet the other. I'm going to leave it. I, I will say that I will watch the majority of that. Not match. the whole thing. Well, but probably man, not. Probably in its a lot. Nah. Yeah, I mean, you got to get up and go grab something from the fridge, or right. use the restroom, or you may you may miss. If you miss 15 minutes of soccer, did you miss? Did you miss much? <laughs> <laughs> you miss much? So we're we are in, we are in Group B, and we are most likely will finish obviously second in Group B if we advance. So our match would be 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. Oh, I'm I'm totally in then. Yeah, totally. One A versus 9 a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah, one A versus two oh, B oh, yeah. in the round of 16 would be 9 a.m. If by some hap- miracle, which I guess is possible, because we could finish with. Um, five points in England could finish with only four. We do finish first place, and we would be then be one A. It would be or one B. We would play one p.m. on Sunday. Maybe yeah. not, Randy. <laughs> is that going to be on the big box? You think? No chance. Oh no way. No, no chance. One p.m. Nah. Sunday is FS1. That's an FS1. Yeah, it's not on. One p.m. on Sunday is FS1. Man, they not so they, Randy, they're not taking football off for football. Okay, no. you know what? Let's let's get <laughs> this out. Let's say that England ties. Or loses to Wales, a draw. Um, they lose to Wales, and the United States wins the group, and it's a 1 p.m. Sunday match. Yeah, sorry. You're not watching. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back if that's the time. I was assuming <laughs> Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I love my country. I mean, Saturday so morning Sunday at 1 9. No, you're not. That's I not, don't, that's I not don't, you're I not don't. diving into that football? That's, 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 Wrong football? I may watch halftime. It may be during, if it, if it <laughs> may watch the start of it during halftime of the uh, of whatever game is on yeah, at yeah. the moment. I don't know who decided that the, the, the smart idea was to put the America in the group that would have to play either Saturday or Sunday. Sunday afternoon, yeah, when the other options are Monday and Tuesday afternoon, which again, yeah. I'm not saying they have, to, you have you, I'm not saying the world needs to dictate itself to America's weird obsession with college and pro pro football. I'm just saying money talks. Okay, so Fox, we're guaranteed to have Packers Bears at noon on Channel Two on Sunday. <laughs> <Randy's out. laughs> every right, second every, place in the group for the every United States, Sunday, and isn't it? Let's see what else. Let's not get first. So Jets and Vikings. Could we get that one? I'm looking at the CBS tilts. Broncos and Ravens, maybe we'll get that one on. Nah, I hope no. Please don't. No, we'll we'll probably get. I respect that you're listing out football, uh, like the local games, and not like not just assuming everyone watches Red Zone. People don't have Red Zone anymore, Matthew. People don't have Red Zone anymore. No, because uh, they don't want to give any money to the NFL because the NFL took our team. I mean, it's included in YouTube TV. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. No, well, Red Zone is just highlights. I've, I thought you were talking about the extra. The actual games yes, on, on yeah, DirecTV. The, the DirecTV. What, they give you, what was that called, though? I thought it was it's the Red Zone. Going to Apple next year. All um, 22? No, 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 no. No, it's it, a whole game. Yeah, you get to watch. You get to watch a an entire game on Directv. I don't know if they still. I, I don't I have Directv anymore. I, I, I did too. Remember. You can oh, watch NFL every Sunday ticket. NFL Sunday, Sunday ticket. Yeah, you can watch every game. Yeah, and then Chiefs and Bengals. By the way, at three twenty-five. So I, that's I, the game. Yeah, I think that's we might. Game. Let's do one o'clock. No, it's over uh, by three. Soccer yeah. should be over by three. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 that's, that's the if you give them thirty minutes of extra time. That's the one. Oh no, you get halftime. That's the one great thing about the World Cup and really. Yeah, because you know how long it's going to take. Right. Two hours. Two hours plus the ten minutes. <laughs> plus the ten minutes. So that that leads to my my uh, my take it or leave it. <laughs> the Chiefs versus the uh, the the Bengals this weekend. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. The team that wins that game represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. I'm going to take that. Okay, I will take that. And oh, by the way, uh, no, I'm going to. You know what? See, I'm going to leave that because let's see. No, you still no. got the Bills. Well, potentially. The thing is, the Chiefs still have the path to home field because the Bengals have four losses. But the Bengals beat them in Kansas City last year. But I don't think they're beating them twice mm. this year. Okay. I think that's a good call. And I'm 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 big on the Bengals right now. Me and Randy were just talking about this in, in, in the break. We're 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 big on the Bengals right now, making a late season run. I mean, they've Joey only lost B. four games. I mean, it, 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 they still that you know, offense. Hey, we talked about it from week one through week three. Almost every you know every time we talked about the NFL, that line came together. They all stayed healthy mm-hmm. and it glommed together. Everything we said would could happen with the Bengals if they stayed healthy and got that experience. It has happened. And Joe Burrow right now is calling the best offensive line in, in the league. I think he's taking that too far, but mm-hmm. they are playing so much better. All right, let's go. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need to pull off the Brian Reynolds trade. It wouldn't be a bad That's, thing. I haven't heard anybody throw, throw that out. I don't hate it. No, but it's if you ha- again, if you have assets, I think you need to take care of catcher before that, and I do think you need more arms in the bullpen. But yeah, if you could pull the pull off the Brian Reynolds trade, he's he's a good player to have. I mean, that that gives you the best up-the-middle defense in all of baseball. Well, it depends on who your catcher is. But second, short, center field, it'd be the best. Pittsburgh, he, Pittsburgh can sit on him until his free agency year of 2026. Mm-hmm. I, they, they'll sit on him for another two year. years. Do you yeah, need, another year before they finally trade him, I think. Do you need an outfielder in free agency? No. I don't think so. I don't think, that's the, I don't think that that is the most important, most pressing need for this team. Here's the thing. You figure that Tyler O'Neill is going to be healthy for opening day. If he stays healthy for a month, then you bring up Walker. Yep. And you've got Newt Barr still. Uh, I think Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson is going to be your center fielder. I, I think that you're okay without getting a free agent outfielder. You don't it wouldn't be a bad thing. Now, you, if you could get me Cody Bellinger, I'm all, all in. Okay. But I don't think you need that guy. You don't think Jordan Walker starts day one in the majors? I don't think so. Unless he has just a spectacular spring. Okay. But he'll be here before you know it. <laughs> Somebody threw out, uh, take it or leave it. No disclaimers on the on the USA per, uh, prediction. Not worried about jinxing anybody today. There's no such what? thing as an announcer jinx. Oh, Karen. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, no. It's not a real thing, man. 
<laughs> it's not a real thing. If people you're listen, wrong. listen, I, 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 you're wrong. no, because I you're love wrong. basketball. I love you're basketball, wrong. and it seems like every time the announcer says, "Oh, he hasn't," he's made thirty straight free throws. He yep. he misses one. He's nine for nine. Today. Here's the here's the here's the reason why. Because eventually he's gonna miss one. Don't, don't if I say it after thirty-five straight, don't. eventually he's gonna miss one. If I say it after forty straight, eventually he's going to miss one. They don't shoot a hundred percent. Do not so, bring your logic into my superstition. <laughs> All right, so sir. therefore, the fact that people believe that when an, an announcer, uh, announcers are not supposed mm-hmm. to talk about no hitters either. Well, right. how is the person that just turned on the game supposed to know? Are they supposed to wait until the half inning and listen, look at the box score and say, oh, there's a no-hitter going on? Yes. No. I think Nance got a kicker on Thursday on Thanksgiving yes, Day. Yes, he did. He, did. <laughs> it was, it was, it was too. he literally made fun. He made fun of the announcer's jinx going, yeah, it's not real. I'm not, it's not going to happen here. He's three for three. He hasn't missed a 40-yarder in seven weeks. Bing! And, Immediately and off because, to the right. Because, Immediately. because the law of averages says at some point the person is going to miss one. The law, yeah. So it is not on the announcer. There have been times where the announcer didn't say anything no. and they still missed. Here's the thing. It's true. <laughs> For me, the superstition only works within the contiguous 48, Alaska, Hawaii, clearly out, Qatar, Qatar, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't apply. There you go. I like that. Th- I like that philosophy. It's like the it's like the area code rule. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, that's all right. Fair enough. Okay, one more. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Jordan Binnington's going to end the season being considered for the Vesna. Leave it. He's not. He's the numbers are already too far behind for him. Recorded the way into the season, and his save percentage and goals against just aren't strong enough for him to be considered. I thought the Vesna was the one where we were subjected. But he's not going to be considered the best goalie. In the oh, okay. His, yeah, the one the, will, the other award yeah. I'm blanking on right now that's strictly the Jennings. numbers Jennings. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that one's out. Do you, in, in order to win that award, you have to be on the the, the one of the better teams as yes, well, right? Like that that that's generally what that ties to. It, it's not if the Blues are a 500 team, you wouldn't be considered it's only as, the second 10 percent of the season. <laughs> second 25 uh, percent of the season now, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Second ten percent. I love it. But, it doesn't work yeah. as well when you add the qualifiers. Mark in Boston has been fantastic. Sorokin is really good. Uh, so just Starkins too. Yeah, he's always great. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, Connor Hellebuck is back and having a good year with Winnipeg. So it's going to be very difficult. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we had a texture yesterday that wanted Kerry to make an NFL play call for us on the air. So. He's going to give us a play call for a run and a play call for a pass and then explain it for us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. It's 8.08 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, we have the, the great good fortune of having a Super Bowl champ with us every single day. And we don't utilize the knowledge that Kerry Davis brings on a regular basis. And yesterday we had a texter that wanted Kerry to actually call an NFL play in the huddle. And we were talking about it during our show meeting yesterday. And Kerry has decided that he'll give us a, a couple of plays and then explain what... 
the heck he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so are, what are we starting with, a run or a pass? So we'll start with a run. A run, and right. then? And, and then we'll go to the pass, and then I'll, I'll give you a formation. I'll break it down so you understand it, it. And, and hopefully it makes sense. So if you're in a huddle, you may hear something like, I write, power write on one. So I basically gave you the formation, the play, and the snap count. So I right would be two backs in the backfield, fullback in front of the tailback, tight end on the right, attached right next to the right tackle, Z receiver off the ball to the right, X receiver on the ball to the left. Power right, fullback is going to kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage. Everyone's going to block down. Left guard is going to pull to the right. The tailback is going to follow the left guard to the right, and we're going to go downhill. So, okay, so that's I right, power right on one. Now this is akin to the old counter gap, right? Yes. It, it, it's, it's not a, the same a, play, but a, similar. Similar. So you got the left guard pulling to the right. He's kicking out the play side yeah. linebacker. Fullback is kicking out the end man on the line of scrimmage. Tailback is going down. It's one of those plays where, you know, when my fiance watches football, why are they running that? That's dumb. They're mm-hmm. running right in the middle of people. But it's essentially supposed to be a big play right. where everyone big, is blocked. Hole, yeah. It's a gap scheme. Everyone's on the right side is blocking to the left. Left guard is pulling to the right. He's kicking out. And the tailback should not get touched until the safety is in place somewhere downfield. That's that's the number one play. So I write power right on one. Mm-hmm. So now we would come back and let's say we want to run I write what we would call in college power pass or K4. Or if you listen to John Gruden, he calls it Spider 2 Y banana. Okay. So I like now this a lot. there we so now <laughs> I, so when you're listening to John Gruden talk about it, it's the same look. Everything is the same except for now the fullback is slipping into the flat and he's running a flat route. The cor- the tight end is instead of blocking down, he's running a corner route. And then you have the Z receiver who is off the ball to the right, probably running an outside release, running a go. So your first read is fullback to the tight end. Those are your only two reads. If it's not there, throw the ball away because we ran the power. We, we were able to, to hit him with that. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to run the exact same look. And we're going to slip the fullback into the flat, tight end to the corner, and you should have another big play. Okay? Got so, it. Now, just out of curiosity, the fullback is the first read here? He is always the first read. What happens if the quarterback throws it to the tight if end? If the quarterback throws it to the tight end and the fullback is open in the flat, you may have a fullback come back to said quarterback and snap versus the New York Giants. I don't know which guy I'm talking about, but there was a fullback in Pittsburgh that was wide open. And said quarterback threw it to Heath Miller, who he loved to throw it to all the time. Heath was not open. The fullback was open in the flat. He is the number one read every single time. It's the only, it's one of the few plays where the fullback is the number one read. Damn it, throw it to the fullback if he's open. So this is do not throw it anywhere else, or said fullback may have, you may have to feel the wrath of that fullback. Okay, so this is for Gruden, Spider 2 Y banana. Let's repeat it again in normal football terms. Okay, so I write. Power right, power right is the run. So Got the it. Z receiver is the receiver to the right. The, so I had a text. How do the Z and X receiver know where they are? Z always goes to the call side as well as the tight end. So the tight end and the Z, generally speaking, go together. Got the it. X receiver always goes away. So if I say right, it doesn't matter what I call. I can call anything right. The X receiver knows I'm going to the left. Vice versa, if I call something left, the X receiver knows I'm going to the right. Um, so those are the power pass or spider two wide banana mm-hmm. for those that are 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 well versed in the terminology <laughs> of football. And so now, the next play I will give you will will look ex, ex, will look exactly like the formation that we started in, 
and I write, and then we'll move. We'll shift to a different formation. So now in a in a play, so those are those are the simple play calls. That right. is something very simple. So I could give you a play that would sound something like explode to trips right, H left, um, jet to alley, can 18 stretch, alert, five slant. I just gave you three plays. So okay. what we started in, explode, mm-hmm. is telling the formation, you start in I formation, we explode to now we're in trips. Got it. So now we have trips right, the tight end, the H who left from the backfield to the slot, mm-hmm. and the Z receiver is to the right. The X is still to the left. I'm going to send the H in motion to the left. So now we have two receivers on the right and that's two essentially receivers on the you. left. Well, that, that'll be the tailback. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I would say I'm still in the backfield. Okay. Tailback goes to the left. So now we have two tight end and, and Z receiver to the right. You have the H and the X to the left. And we call Jet 2 Alley. Jet 2 Alley. Jet 2 is the protection for the offensive line and the running back and the quarterback. He has to know that. Alley is talking to the receivers. I'm telling them all go. <clears throat> so we're all, everybody, all four receivers are running go routes. <clears throat> if I were to say, now that's just the play. If I don't call any, if I don't say anything in the huddle, if I don't say anything at the line of scrimmage, that's what the play we're running. We're at the line of scrimmage. You hear can, 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 can. We're running 18 stretch. So now everyone knows instead of running Jet 2 Alley, we're running 18 stretch. If you hear alert, 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 mm-hmm. I just changed it to now we're running a five slant, which is a back backside run for the running back. So you can hear, so the play again will go explode to trips right. Got it. H left, Jet 2 Alley, can 18 stretch, alert, five slant. I gave you two runs, one pass, and at the line of scrimmage, I will tell you what play I want to run. And wow. you have to be able to understand in that short span of a moment what is going on, what play you're running, and remember the snap count because I could go explode the trips right, H left, Jet 2 Alley, can 18 stretch, alert, five slant on two. And so now you got all of those things, and you hear the quarterback hut hut. And if you jump, you <laughs> it is a it is an issue on you uh, to to really understand how what play is being called, what the snap count is, and how to do your job effectively. Okay, so you played for a Super Bowl winning offense over the course of a season. How often does one guy of the eleven mess up? Does it happen often? On offense, yeah. If you, if a, if on so here's the funny thing, we give defensive players crap all the time because we tell them see ball get ball. You you don't have to be the brightest crayon in the box to play defense. That's how offensive players think because their terminology and their verbiage generally and it's a joke. But 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 that's how we feel. We feel offensive players are smarter than defense. If an offensive player messes up. It can be catastrophic for the entire play. If you have the left guard doesn't know he needs to block the three technique because he thought it was 18 stretch instead of jet two alley, <laughs> you got Aaron Donald bearing down on your quarterback unblocked. <laughs> unblocked. So there are there are uh, things that if if offensively if you are not in tuned or aligned properly and everyone is not on the same page. It can throw off anything in any play at any given time. If you have a receiver who does not run the right route, and ten guys are blocking it correctly or running the right routes correctly, 
you're 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 cooked. Mm-hmm. Now I think defense will say the same thing. If you have one guy in the gap that is wrong, you know they can be a big play. If you got one guy running the wrong coverage, there can be a big play. But offensively, I I, I truly feel if all eleven guys are not on the same page, you will not be able to have a successful offense. And that's why offense is so hard. And and if you don't know, there are so many things going on as a quarterback, as a running back, as a as a receiver, lineman. So many things that you have to know. That, that if you don't know them, you're going to struggle and it's going to be difficult. And I assume this is like for the defensive playbook too? Uh, <laughs> defensive playbook just says find ball, get ball. Yeah. That's it, it's all it says. It's one page. It's a sheet. <laughs> good stuff. Thank you. Good. To, that's good knowledge for us. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Matthews here. And coming up, we're going to talk to Darren Pang as we head into the Blues booth on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and into the Blues booth. We get a chance to visit with Blues Analyst on Valley Sports Midwest, TNT's Darren Pang. Panger, good morning. How are you? Good morning, uh, Randy and Kerry. I'm doing uh, I'm doing just fine. A little bit of a letdown last night, I'd have to say, just because of uh, you know all that transpired in that great game in, in Florida and coming back. So no, uh, no comeback magic last night for the boys. Overall, though, Kerry and I were talking about it earlier. It's not like the Blues got dramatically outplayed, is it? They just they ran into a really good team that was playing well. Well, yeah, I think overall they they certainly had a little bit more desperation. Uh, they did. Uh, Dallas did. I thought when the game was kind of getting tight, they, I think they, their structure was pretty darn good. They 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 made it difficult at times for the Blues to to get into the zone and and to have that sustained pressure. But in, in saying all that, you're right. I thought the Blues um, still generated a number of really good scoring chances, and you know we showed it last night a couple of times there that. Uh, that passing play that Bushnevich ended up having a great chance early on. You know, you get that one nothing lead, and you can kind of get rolling from there and uh, get you know get a little. Uh, not that not that you're playing catch up because that wasn't an overly hard catch up game, but still, it'd be nice on home ice to, to get that first goal and to create that energy. And um, you saw what happened with the with the crowd when when the Blues scored, you know, to make it a one goal game, and and you could feel the you could feel the way the building was. So they just uh, weren't able to do that uh, early on in the game. Was there anything in particular that you saw? Obviously, you talked about the Buchnevich opportunity. Um, were, there, were there any things that you felt like were missed opportunities or was Wedgwood just playing outstanding last night? No, I think there's always an opportunity, especially when you know you think you're facing one of the best goalies in the league in Jake Ottinger, and then you find out just as the team's going onto the ice that there is no other goaltender that word trickled down then that, uh, that Wedgwood was... Uh, you know, was uh, was going to be the starter, and uh, he's their backup goaltender. He provided them with some some good goaltending early on, but um, you know, I think I think the letdown is that uh, that you had a chance against their you know not their best goaltender carry. And um, but, but you know, but all in all, I I still I I still think that there's a there, there's 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 a different game that the Blues can play. That's that's a harder game. That's that's a game that is not so east west. Um, and I agree with, I'm not sure which player it said after the game, but we said it a couple of times that, you know, there was opportunities when you're down by one goal, looking for the next play or the prettiest play or the one that's going to get you on the, on the highlight reels. 
when you're playing a good defending team with sticks in their lanes and, and, and uh, like Dallas is, then those plays aren't going to happen. So what's going to happen is you're going to, you know, you're, 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 you're going to surrender good scoring opportunities and, and not get any chances whatsoever. So I think the Blues probably approach going to the next game is we got to start shooting some pucks at the net a lot more than we do and change this mentality of always going dot to dot or east to west and, and make that, that next great play that looks you know, it looks so good, but when the game's on the line and you're down by one, I, I think you got to put more more stuff at the net. There was a play earlier in the first period. Uh, score was still 0-0. Josh Levo took a shot on goal, but he had Tarasenko right there to the right of him. Do you think that's an opportunity where you know Tarasenko is your guy, you get him, have an opportunity for him to get a shot on goal? Uh, do you think that that's an opportunity for him to take that shot and, and give him that uh, give Tarasenko that shot as opposed to Levo taking it? Uh, that's, that's, that's always interesting, and, and some players – you know, think the game differently. And I think that just goes to show you that, you know, Levo's approach is, is, is a little bit more straight line and meat and potatoes. And, and so his thought was, I'm, I'm close to the net. I'm going to get this puck towards the net. You know, I think, you know, when you got a guy like uh, Bushnevich or Robert Thomas, who's one of the most gifted passers in the league, um, like Robert Thomas in that spot, he's thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put the shooter, Tarasenko in the best possible position. Um, I can't blame Josh Levo care for that. I, I think that you know his job going into that game was okay. Let's get this puck towards the net mm-hmm. and and keep things a little bit more simple. And and so um, always always a difference in players and difference in in the way they think the game. And, and uh, um, I, I think if Josh Levo makes a play to the to Vladdy and it doesn't work and the puck goes the other way. Uh, then we're probably all saying, well, yeah. why wouldn't Josh Levo shoot that puck? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Pegging along those lines on the Robertson goal, and boy, is he something. But you made, mm-hmm. the, you made the point that Mikula needs to get the puck in deep. He was taking the shot at yeah. the net, it goes off the shins of Robertson, and he just takes off the other way. Is that a 100% thing? Should, should a player always be trying to get, get the puck into the corner? And obviously there's a player between Mikula and the goal, but... It, is it situational, or should they always try to get the puck deep into the corner? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking the circumstance of the game. You're, you're talking about, you know, the Blues having some pressure in the O-zone, um, not, you know, not, not yet at a point where you're pulling the goal. And you probably heard me say it a couple of times. I said in the Florida game, if you've got sustained pressure at five on five and you've got the other team on their heels like they did in Florida, out shooting them 24 in the third period, don't prematurely pull the goalie. Because all the work that you're putting into it can end just like that, like it did last night. But in that situation with, with Mikola, when you've got a player coming at you with his shin pads facing you, it has to 100% get beyond that first layer. He knows it. I mean, it's, it's clear as day. It's, it's, been, it's been around the game for a lot of years. Um, I know back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, the forward probably didn't go block that shot like that. But it does, they do now. And they get the shin pads there. And that has to, um, I mean, I, c- I can't even stress it enough, that that has to get through. If, if there's no play towards the net, because it's hard to get it through a player's shin pads, then putting it around the boards and getting the defending team on their heels a little bit more, make them stop and work for it and stop and start. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just as good as putting a puck towards the net. And in that particular play, that's just one that has to get through. There's no question about it for me. Hey Panger, uh, Callie Rosen made a really good play on the on a on a play near the goal last night. Do you see what are you seeing from him? Because it seems like every time he's out there, he's just making more and more plays. Do you see him getting more time on the ice because of how well he's playing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the guy's a 
he's a gifted skater and he's you know he's um he sees the ice extremely well and it was it was Callie Rosen that made that play over to Bushnevich and everybody in the building thought he was probably going to shoot that puck but um that pass that he made was a I mean that was a that 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 had great vision to it you know so yeah I think uh I think it, and it and it does probably get tough for when you go 11 and 7 meaning seven defensemen instead of the normal you know, six, and then you've got, you know, 11 forwards instead of four full lines. Um, they pulled that off in the, in the, uh, the game in, um, in, uh, in Florida. Um, I think they were concerned with a couple of injuries on the back end and want to make sure everybody was fine. And then, of course, last night, um, Justin Falk, you know, that's, that's a big day for Justin Falk. You know, mm-hmm. he, his, his wife gives birth to a baby. He probably had, I think he said, an hour's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you don't blame the coach staff whatsoever to, to go 11-7 and seven because what if he runs out of gas or what if he's not real sharp, you know? At least you've got the full complement of six other guys. So, but, at, but at the end of it all, I think getting into a rhythm when there's 7D has got to be rather difficult for them. And so um, it's not something that that's why coaches don't do it all the time. And it, and it, it, it does work. And sometimes you have to have it uh, in prep, preparation for, for an injury or a situation like we had last night with Justin Falk. But as far as Callie Rosen's concerned, he, um, he's proven that he's an NHL player um, every day. I, I, I love the way he plays. Panger, you uh, have a TNT game on Wednesday. Do you have the Oilers-Blackhawks game? No, I have. Uh, I'm heading to Detroit today, Good. and uh, going to see those pesky Red Wings and some of those former Blues. It'll be nice to catch up with uh, with Sunny Side Up, Big Oscar Sundquist, and David Perron, and Billy Huso, and Jake Wallman, and uh, and see how they're doing because they've they've had a real good start to the year. So I'll I'll be doing that game tomorrow night. All right, looking forward to that. And how's Bruce? Oh, Bruce is really good. He was made sure he got me up this morning. We had to go for a nice little walk right there, and. Um, he, he's not showing a lot of gumption early in the morning right now, you know. So I might have to. I might have. We might have to do some sprints, you know. Uh, goal line to blue line, goal line to red line, down and back. So some Herbie Brooks's, you know what I mean? You're gonna gasser him? Yeah, I might Bobby gas off him. No, just, just run gassers. Oh yes. <laughs> I thought Bobby put the boys through some drills back in the day. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Have a great day, fellas. See you Thursday. You bet. See you later. That is Darren Pang, the Blues Analyst on Valley Sports with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up next here with Carrie and Randy and Matthew, we've got, what? we're we're already to the fight. Yeah. (laughs) Time's flying, man. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and, and it is time for the fight. Rock, how are you feeling this morning? You know what, Kerry? I'm feeling good. I, I, I like I like my questions today. I, I think I like them better than, uh, than than even yesterday. Yeah, we were a little a little don't <laughs> we were a little nervous yesterday. A potential Hall of Famer. It went well on the line. It did. It went well. <laughs> There's a lot of nervousness in this studio when when you or I mess up on a question. Let's just say that. And now, and you know what? We can now officially say you and I because I definitely Kerry did. Davis has finally messed I, up on a I question. Vindication. <laughs> Josh is our contestant today. Today, Josh, how are you doing? Hey, Carrie, I'm doing good. You ready to roll? 
Yes, sir. All right, Josh, here we go. Happy birthday to Mariano Rivera. Mariano is one of three players to lead their league in saves three different times since he entered the league in 1995. Who is the only player since then to lead or tie their league in saves with in saves four or more times? Is it Craig Kimbrell, Francisco Rodriguez, or Jose Valverde? Uh... I feel like K-Rod didn't do it long enough, so I'll go Valverde. All right, only three Blues have topped the 80-point mark in a single season since the 1999-2000 season. Vladimir Tarasenko recently did it. Pierre Turgeon did it in 2001. Who is the third Blue to do so is also the only 90-point Blue season since 1994. Is that Scott Young, Doug Waite, or Pavel Dimitra? Demetra was my first thought, so I'll go with him. All right, Josh. Happy birthday to Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. Russell has dabbled with an MLB career being drafted by the Rockies and traded to the Rangers and Yankees. What position does he play? Shortstop, second base, or outfield? Uh, For some reason, I want to say he's a shortstop, so I'll go with that. All right. Who was the last team the United States men's national team beat in regulation in the World Cup? Is that Belgium, Ghana, or Algeria? Oh, it would have been 14. They lost to Belgium. I want to say that was Ghana. Ghana, final answer? Yes. All right, we'll double-check the questions, and we'll be in Randy Carricker. Josh, how you feeling? Uh, 50-50, probably. 50-50, Josh, you you, 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 uh, you are a contestant that always that texts in often and trying to get in, so we see your name, and I know you are eager to play and, and ready to take on Randy Carricker, and you just feel okay. Well, I've done this before. I mean, I probably actually have a winning record against him. Oh, I love <laughs> but, it. There, that's what I, you know. Josh, that's what I was trying to bring out of you. That's what I needed. <laughs> I needed that energy because Randy just walked in. He put his headset on, and he heard you say you probably have a winning record against him. That's a good thing. Say hello to Josh, Randy. Josh, good morning. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, Randy. Good. Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. You ready? Ready. Happy birthday to Mariano Rivera. Mariano is one of three players to lead their leagues, lead their league in saves three different times since he started the league in 1995. Who is the only player since then to lead the league or tie with saves? Let me start that over. Who is the only player since then to lead or tie their league in saves four more times? Hmm. Since 1995, huh? Um, let's see. You've got the old uh, Joe Nathan. You've got the K Rod. You've got the Hoffman. You've got the Kimbrel. Um, who else has been great? We haven't had any guys. I guess I'll do the lifeline here. Is it Craig Kimbrel, Francisco Rodriguez, or Jose Valverde? Okay, that narrows it down for me. Um, I don't think it was Valverde. He had a couple of great years. He might have had the best stuff of any reliever like in the last 30 years. He was awesome. But I don't think he led with Houston. I think he led with Detroit a couple times. 
So I think I'll go with, boy, that's a tough one. But I, I think I'll go with, uh, Kimbrel's one of the best ever. I, I guess I'll do Kimbrel. Only three Blues have topped the 80-point mark in a single season since the 99-2000 year. Tarasenko did last year. Pierre Turgeon did in 2001. Who is the third Blue is also the only 90-point season by a Blue since 1994. Since 1994, a 90-point season. So this was not recent because several years ago was the first point-of-game season since... Uh, Dimitra. But I, you know what? I, I will go with uh, Pavel Dimitra. All right, Randy. Happy birthday to Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Wilson has dabbled it with an MLB career being drafted by the Rockies and then traded to the Rangers and the Yankees. What position does he play? Second base. And who was the last team the United States men's national team beat in regulation in the World Cup? Last team we beat in regulation in the World Cup? Oh man, that's this. We're, we have to go all the way back to 2014 for this baby, um, and it could literally be any country because I have no idea. <laughs> could literally be any country. Uh, so I'm going to go with not one of the powers. I'm going to go with. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to go with Argentina. I'm not going to go with Italy. Not going to go with England. Does Australia play soccer? <laughs> they are in this World Cup. <laughs> I'll go with the Aussies. All right, we have a winner. <laughs> Randy took the Aussies for question four, but we have a winner in this fight. Josh has been in the fight many times. He has a winning record against Randy. Did he build on that, or was he knocked down a little bit closer to 500 on this Tuesday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I nailed Australia, didn't I? No, you completely <laughs> missed Australia. No, you, you got nowhere close. I just thought it was funny because uh, the Australians' name for their team is the Socceroos, which oh, is fantastic. I'm sorry, Josh. You did not win this fight. You did not expand your, your record. Randy just barely got you. He beat you 3-2 to two on this fight. Let's go through these answers. Happy birthday to Mariano Rivera. He's one of three players to lead their league three different times in saves since he entered in 1995. Uh, Valverde and k are two of those. Uh, Bob Myers, I believe, was the. Oh no, Trevor Hoffman is the third one. If you go back to '93, Bob Myers gets looped in Bob and becomes Myers. another one. Valverde, by the way, did it with three different teams: the Padres, or sorry, the Tigers, the Astros, and the Padres in uh, three different years. It was Craig Kimbrell who has led or tied for the league four times. He did it four straight years from 2011 to 2014. Tied the first two years, one outright the second two years. It's Pavel Dimitra, the only other Blue since 1999-2000 to top an 80-point season, and it 
is the only 90-point season for the Blues since 1994 when Brendan Shanahan had 102. It was Pavel Dimitra's 93-point season in 2003. Happy birthday to Mr. Unlimited Russell Wilson. He's dabbled with an MLB career. He got drafted by the Rockies and traded to the Rangers and Yankees. He is a second baseman when it comes to baseball, a quarterback obviously in football. And it was Ghana, the last team that United, the United Ghana. States men's national team beat in regulation in the World Cup. That was the first match of their 2014 group stage when they beat Ghana 2-1. So Randy Carey... Landon Donovan scored. Landon Donovan scored. You are very correct. That is... Uh, actually, no, that's the... That was uh, Dempsey and then... Uh, a different player. Donovan was, I think, uh, Algeria or the, the tie. Oh, okay. or, or he was the tying goal, I think, in against um, against England in one of those World Cups as well. Tom Dempsey had that half foot, right? No, uh, <laughs> different uh, Clint. Clint Dempsey. So, Clint Dempsey. Oh, okay. Despite his lack, he was a kicker. Despite his lack of soccer knowledge, but his great <laughs> knowledge of kickers, Randy Carrigan did beat you three to two today, Josh. Thank you so much for joining the fight. All right, good job, Randy. I'll be back. All right, appreciate <laughs> it. Thank job, you very Josh. much. <laughs> So, um, I'm actually completely wrong. Um, he did not, Donovan did not score. I believe it was the winner against Algeria in the 2010 World Cup. Dempsey's put in both of the goals. Really, the big goals for the United States in 2014. He had the tying goal against Portugal in the 2-2 tie, and he had the opening goal against Ghana. It was... This is what I think it is. Then that John Brooks. For the Saints that was, yeah, was a that was a, it was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> John Brooks, by the way, had the goal, uh, the goal against uh, Ghana, and... Uh, by the way, the <laughs> amazing to play that long. It is. Yeah, I got the year. I like Randy. I got the year right. Hey, I'm proud of that. They didn't play in the 2018 World Cup, Randy. I know. I said 2014. I, I know. What I'm, I'm, I'm saying is, is getting the year rights just the bar, just like the bare minimum. Well, yeah, they, and I remember they won a game. And you did. Yes, you're right. You're, you're, I, you're, you're locking in. Do we have in. time? Because 2014 is a long time ago to have a to to, to last win a game. My math is serving me correctly. That's eight years. Uh, yes, it is eight, eight, it is eight that's years. A, wow. That's a long time to not win. Think about this. Think about this. You play though. to win the game, right? Not you not to, to not win. to draw. If the game. they're here in the United States in 2026, it will be 12 years since Italy last played in a World Cup game. Oh my. Because Italy didn't qualify the, for the last two World Cups. Rock, we're not going to celebrate someone else's misery. We, we, we're talking about us right now. Oh, yeah, sure, but if it, was Mizzou, if it was Mizzou, we'd be dancing on their grave, wouldn't well, we, Carrie? We, we're not talking about exactly. Mizzou, Exactly, that's we? what I thought. <laughs> as Steve Farr used to say, pour syrup on their grave. <laughs> Coming up that's here rude. on 101 ESPN, how do the Blues look without Robert Thomas in the lineup? We'll talk about what they need to do next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, He's messed when he's out of the lineup, but I mean, there's still plenty of guys that can put the puck in that or, you know, do the uh, make offensive plays that are needed. That is Chief Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, on Robert Thomas, who's out on a day to day basis because of a lower body injury. Thomas leads the Blues in scoring with four goals and 15 assists. He's their best playmaker. He has accounted for 31%. He's been in on 31% of the Blues' goals. And CD, when you don't have Robert Thomas, 
granted, you still have Ryan O'Reilly, who's terrific. You still have Braden Shen available at center. But when you don't have your premier playmaker in any sport, you lose one of your best players, it's going to be a detriment to your team. And I don't know how the Blues fill in for the playmaking ability of Robert Thomas, who has 15 assists. Shen is second on the team with 11 along with Justin Falkwood up front. Maybe you need Pavel Buchnevich to step up and be more of a playmaker for this team. You know, when we were talking to Panga earlier, I asked him about the shot that Levo took on goal. And had that been Robert Thomas, he probably does dump that off to, to Tarasenko because that's his that's his nature to, to get others involved. And, you know, as fans, you become frustrated with a guy sometimes because he doesn't take those shots. But if, you're, if your natural ability or your first thought is to make others around you better, then that that that's what you want those guys to score those goals and and in a situation like last night it makes you think that dang wish we wish Robert Thomas would have been in that situation mm-hmm. because i think Vladdy would have had a much clearer shot a much better shot and and he's Vladimir Tarasenko he's the guy that you want taking that shot so hopefully he does get back healthy and 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 you know he's not out too many games i know he's uh missed last night and and he left the ice early uh, against against the Panthers i believe where he didn't finish the game but you know hopefully he does get back in the fold and is able to um, get back in the lineup because they they do need his his presence and his his scoring ability and his passing ability. That being said, in the Stanley Cup year, the Blues had injuries across the board, and they were able to really play next man up, play as a unit, and I think it ultimately made them better because they had to play their system to a T. Now. That means they have to play great defensively yeah. because you aren't going to get that sort of playmaking that Robert Thomas delivers, but it does force everybody else to be a little bit better. If you're more of a goal scorer, now you have to be a little bit more of a playmaker. But Janavich is a really, really good player. Tarasenko is a really good passer. Maybe this puts more of a premium on Vladdy to, and granted, he hasn't scored a bunch of goals, but maybe it puts more of a premium on him to utilize his passing ability. And how much, but also, how much easier is it to have that next man up mentality when it is more of the classic, you know, kind of hardcore radical Baruby version of dump and chase, whereas opposed to this year where it seems to be a, a more skill-based mm-hmm. team, it just seems like you can repl- you can you can plug and play in that 2019 version a lot easier than you can now when you have to score a little bit more and the defense isn't as dialed in as it was then. Yeah, when you lose think about and granted Edmonton has the two best offensive players in the league right now in McDavid and Dreisaitl, but if they lose McDavid they're a different team. That's yeah. a ton of skill. If the Stars uh, were to lose their best offensive player, then they wouldn't be as good. If, if any team loses their best offensive player, they're obviously going to be limited. But that's why I go back to playing defense yeah. and playing within the system. And obviously, Bennington has to be great. And they're the defensemen that are here, you mentioned Callie Rosen yeah. and how he's playing. The, the first thing is, as a group, this is all five, everybody needs to play well defensively. And I think not having Thomas out there, he talked to us about that. He, he When they were going through their struggles, he talked to us about – yeah, we're not getting, we're not playing defense well enough in front of our goalies. We need to be better. And if that's your mindset as a as a as a guy that you know uh, can do what he does on the offensive side, but he's also thinking about how to help the team defensively. Not having him there definitely plays a role in in you know what can happen or what did happen last night. And this is really the old adage that the best offense is a good defense because the three great coaches we've had here in the last couple of decades, whether it was Quenville, Hitchcock, Craig Bruby, they all talk about playing the system defensively and then let your creativity shine offensively. Unless you're on the power play, 
Go ahead and be creative offensively. But it's all going to start on the back end with this team. Defense creates offense. And it's the same thing in basketball. When you're playing good defense and getting rebounds, you can get out and go. And, and, you know, when you're playing good defense on on the ice, you can get out and go and have opportunities to to have those odd man rushes where you're putting yourself in a position to, to score goals. But you have to get back and play defense. You have to play hard. You have to hustle back. You have to be guys that are willing to commit to that defensive mm-hmm. end and, and be be good teammates. That's that's what it all boils down to is being a good teammate, doing your job, hustling back, getting back, and making sure you're not allowing the opposing team to get shots on goal. Let me give you a Sunshine Lollipop's view of this. Because I think since Thomas left in the middle of the third period in the game in Florida, Jordan Kyrou has continued to play well. And that certainly was a concern, right? Early when Kyrou was playing yeah. with O'Reilly and there was nothing there, for Jordan Kyrou to continue to play well offensively without Robert Thomas by him, to me, is a big advantage for the Blues going forward, to know that he can do it without Robert Thomas. Also, I expected at some point that the the, the kind of... I, I honestly thought the Noel Achari and Josh Levo playing up in lines, not saying they're not good hockey players, but just them being successful first, second, or third line players was a little bit smoke and mirrors. But Josh Levo tie, is... Uh, Jeremy Rutherford points out on Twitter yesterday, he's tied for the team lead in primary assists with six, with Braden Shen. Yep. He's played in, he's played in you know ten less games than the rest of the team. I mean, so it's it's not smoke and mirrors. He has clearly become a part of that line. And I think there is something to Baruby's style that kind of tells you why a guy like Levo can play with these higher end guys, because there is still a part of the offense that if you're just a effort player, always ready to get your nose into the boards, you can make things happen in this offense. And Levo was the MVP of the AHL playoffs last year going against Springfield, the Blues top farm team. If you play with effort in any in any sport, you're going to have opportunity. When you're when your talent and your skill level and your effort matches up, you're going to have an opportunity. I want to go back to your point about Kairou cuz because I think you've seen a bit of a maturation that I think happened a lot faster than I I thought would happen. He early in the season it seemed like oh he's talented, but he's not doing the little things. He's not hustling back. He's you've seen a a, a growth, a maturation in in a span of I think 3 to 4 weeks mm-hmm. where where at the beginning of the season we were really concerned with his effort, with his play, and I think now you're starting to see his skill set as well as his effort combined, and now you're starting to see a very good hockey player, which is great for him and it's great for the Blues. He has a coach that knows how to develop young players. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Chief, Chief and that staff are great and, at that. And, and as Mart says, sometimes you got to do it with a bat, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry, Randy, Matthew, coming up. The end of Aaron Rodgers' Packers career might be closer than we think. If it is, is his career as the Packers quarterback a disappointment? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Six of them down. Um, they have a responsibility to their organization long term to know what they have in um, Jordan Love. They need to play him. And going back uh, a number of years now, when we traded for Brett Favre when I was at the Jets, they knew exactly, ironically, what they had in Aaron Rodgers. Um, and they were comfortable moving on from an all time great. And not saying Jordan Love is going to be in Aaron Rodgers, but they have to play him. They have to know what kind of hand they have to deal with when they get to Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. 
ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum and Aaron Rodgers has a rib issue. Yesterday, their head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay said he doesn't know if Rodgers is going to be able to play this weekend, but if he's healthy enough, he will be the Packers' starter. But at some point this season, Kerry, they're going to lose a game that's going to eliminate them from the playoffs. And they're going to have to make the decision to find out about Jordan Love and whether or not they should take the $59 million hit next year and move on from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been great for them. They've been to the playoffs a dozen years with him as their starting quarterback, but they've only won one Super Bowl. That was against the Steelers in 2010. So with that being the case, with the fact that they've made the playoffs as much as they've had, they've had home field as much as they've had, is it possible, and I don't think it is, by the way, that Aaron Rodgers' Packers career could be a disappointment because you only won one Super Bowl? Disappointment is tough. I mean, he's won four MVPs in that time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can call it a disappointment, but I do think as a team... From a team standpoint, I think you can look at it and say, we wish we would have gotten more out of this team. But it, that's not solely on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he hasn't had a first-round drafted wide receiver in his entire tenure there, his entire career as a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. That's on the that's on management to not get him. And that's not saying that he didn't have guys because Devontae Adams was a guy for mm-hmm. him. He was one of the elite receivers in the league while he was playing for, for, for uh, Green Bay. But you just have, have – this team has found ways to not win games and 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 not win, uh, make it throughout the playoffs and not make it to championship games. They they found a way last year to lose to the 49ers in a game where they didn't. The 49ers didn't score a touch. They scored on 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 special teams. Yeah. And so you you find ways that this team is not taking care of of their business. The year before, they found a way to not win versus the Green Bay Packers. Where you, I mean, versus the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where you give. Tom Brady another opportunity to get the ball back instead of going for the touchdown. You know, that they are I don't want to say it's a disappointment in terms of what he's done or what he's brought to the table, but I do think that if you are looking at it from a standpoint, management has been a disappointment throughout his entire career there. I just think it's very difficult to make the playoffs and have that opportunity as many times as they've had and blame it all on the quarterback. And that's exactly what you're saying, because there are so many extenuating circumstances. And and I know people like to treat people in the media, people at the mothership like to treat quarterbacks like they're tennis players, like, okay, (laughs) Rodgers lost to Kaepernick or to, to Matt Ryan. Right. And that's just not the way it works. And yes, there are circumstances in which Aaron Rodgers has thrown the ball away, and caused them to lose playoff games. But more times than not, like you go back to that game when San Francisco went to the Super Bowl in 2019, and they got rocked because San Francisco ran the ball. Was it? uh, Yeah, they ran the ball for something like 280 yards. And when your defense isn't doing the job, and by the way, a few of those years, they didn't have a great running game either. It was right. all on Aaron Rodgers. A few of those years, the reason that they were in the playoffs was because of Aaron Rodgers. And the, the big issue that I have with making this suggestion and having this discussion is that if we're going to say that about Aaron Rodgers, then don't we have to say that Peyton Manning's Indianapolis Colts career was a disappointment? Don't we have to say that Drew Brees' New Orleans Saints career was a disappointment? It seems to me there's a lot of guys that have won one Super Bowl with a franchise yeah. where and made the playoffs a lot, yeah. but 
it's really hard to win playoff games. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. It, it is the it, it, I think, you know, I think it's one of the toughest things you can do. You got 16 games and now you got 17 games, seven, 17 regular season games, and then you got three, two, three, four playoff games that you got to win to win that championship. It's hard to stay healthy. It's hard to make sure that guys are playing and then you're playing against other star athletes as well that are that have the same agenda as you do that are trying to make it to the Super Bowl that are trying to win a Super Bowl it is not a, 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 a an easy task for for any team to win a Super Bowl and I think if you're looking at what Green Bay has done they've done they've done what they were supposed to do other than making it when you have you know He'll go down as one of the top quarterbacks to play this game. Other than winning multiple Super Bowls with him, they've done what they were supposed to do. And and so my question, we were Mike Tannenbaum brought us in. My question to you yesterday was, with that being said, Aaron Rodgers has a rib injury. Probably, potentially, should be, in my opinion, out for the rest of the Agreed. season. Because you have a young man in Jordan Love who you need to figure out what he is, who he is, and how you can how this team looks with him at the helm at the quarterback position. My question to you yesterday was, if you are the Detroit Lions, a team that I consider a quarterback away, genuinely a quarterback away Mm -hmm. from being a very, very, very good football team, making a deep playoff run, do you trade one of those two draft picks, one of the top two first-round draft picks for an Aaron Rodgers, knowing that he can come in, be a starter right now, you got great receivers, you got a very good running game, and you have an offensive line that protects him? Do you see that the, the do you think that the Packers would be willing to take that and do you see that the, do you think that the the Lions would be willing to offer that? I think the Packers even if they're offered the 13th pick. Obviously, you have to be convinced that Jordan Love is your guy. But if, if you think, But do do you? Because you you drafted him. Do you take him. one? You drafted him. You don't you don't have to be convinced. You 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 need to see this year. That's why I'm all saying I need to see. Is you I, need to this year you right. need to know if if he's your guy exactly. or not. Exactly. But if he shows me and if he shows me 51 to 49% that he's the guy, mm-hmm. then I'll trade Rodgers. Because I think Rodgers is a problem for the organization. Not just uh, on the football field, he's fine. But in the locker room, yeah. I know with the organization, he, he's a problem. If I'm Detroit, do I go out and get a 39-year-old quarterback? And the only guys at 39 that have won a Super Bowl were a completely diminished uh, Peyton Manning and... Tom Brady. Those are the only two 39-year-olds plus to win a Super Bowl. Do I go and get a guy that I think is diminished but might be the guy and trade the 13th pick? Before I do that, if I'm Detroit, I'm going to look around at free agency. But yes, if if I determine if I'm Brad Holmes, their GM, and I determine that Aaron Rodgers gives me the best chance to win a Super Bowl, I'll trade the 13th pick for Aaron Rodgers. Here's why I I would feel comfortable doing that because you still have the third pick right now yep. because of the Rams trade for Stafford. So if it, let's say it, all all intents and purposes, Aaron Rodgers he stays for two years, you can still draft that quarterback and let him learn under Aaron Rodgers for a year or two before you decide to put him at the as your starting quarterback. And now you've made that transition where your team went from, you know, a team that is struggling, scratching, clawing to make the playoffs to now you put yourself in a position to potentially have a four, five, six-year run in the playoffs leading the NFC North where Aaron Rodgers is the guy that passes on the torch to the next quarterback that you drafted in this year's draft or the next year's draft. That, that for me, if I'm the Detroit Lions, I'm looking, I'm taking a, and you know what Aaron Rodgers is. He's not, mm-hmm. he hasn't Falling uh, or taking steps backwards, he still has the arm strength. With Peyton Manning, his arm was 
hanging yeah, off well, of his yeah, shoulder. They didn't win because of him. <laughs> it was, yeah. He was he was he was crawling to the end zone to the to the final stretch okay. of that season. Okay, I'm I'm putting you in Brad Holmes' shoes then. Okay, okay, you're the GM of the Lions. All right, you can give up the 13th pick in the draft for Aaron Rodgers at 39, or you can go out and sign Jimmy G. I'm signing. I'm 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 taking that trade. I'm taking that trade with the Green Bay Packers. You are. I'm not taking Jimmy G. I've seen Jimmy G. I've seen him in in person, live in color. Jimmy G. When Jamison Williams decides to run that nine mm-hmm. route down the field, Jimmy G's not going to be able to get the ball there. Aaron Rodgers will. And 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 so I, I'll take eight or nine games inside a dome with Aaron Rodgers, yep. and take my chances with him for the next couple of years at 39, 40 years old before I would with Jimmy G. And that's the thing with the Packers too; they have to take the chances with Aaron Rodgers in the division for a couple of years, but it's only for a couple of years. But you're not going to be good for those couple of years yeah. anyway. Yeah, like you're not you're not in a position right now. I know they've had thirteen and three records the last couple of years. They've done a, a very good job under Lafleur, but they couldn't get over the hump with Aaron Rodgers. There's no way in hell they're getting. Over over the hump without him. So you take those lumps for mm-hmm. the next couple of years and put yourself in a position to be a better franchise as well. Build your offensive line. Get, get some things get around some him. things around yes. Jordan Love. Yep. That's CD. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, rock and roll. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Okay, so if you do the blind test, if you, first of all, if you see Kerry Davis and Randy Carricker next to each other, you know that we're radio partners. But you also, if somebody says one of them was a pro athlete, everybody's going to say Kerry Davis was a pro athlete. Randy Carricker has not an, a, an athletic bone in his body. But we've also been signing autographs on these Christmas cards, and Kerry Davis is clearly the pro athlete because you're twice as fast, or more than twice as fast as me, in signing autographs. I, I have, we, this is, you get a stack of paper, you sign it, you go on to the next one. It, it's a very simple, like we, it's something that you said you'd heard that Larry Bird had done 1,500 in an hour. Yeah. I said, yeah, Randy, that's no problem. <laughs> He's like, I didn't believe that. It. No, it's, that's no problem. 1,500 in an hour is, 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 is very easy. That's amazing. Especially, especially if you have someone like I said someone else is taking the paper or putting a new one on it it's you can sign that and be done and on to the next thing you got to do for the rest of the day all right <laughs> you're, you're awesome man time for rock and roll I'm really gonna be embarrassed when when my signature looks worse than carries and it takes me three times as long to do it yeah. it's gonna be really hard to do I'm right there with you brother yeah it's good. I didn't we'll know get... you were a lefty though that, that, yeah. that, that's Wait. that was news to me did you yeah, know that I write, I write slow do I really not pay attention when you golf I he does. Golf he doesn't like golf left-handed. Yeah, so, you go for okay. Yeah. Okay, so, good. I'm glad I'm not. I'm, I, for a second, I was like, man, I am the most unobservant person no, no. in the entire <laughs> world. So, you you have right-handed clubs that used to be mine. Yes, again. Here's <laughs> the thing. My dad is a lefty. Oh yeah. He forced himself to learn how to play golf because he couldn't find left-handed clubs when he was a kid. So and, so, yeah, and now okay. he's now he's got left-handed clubs. He's learned how to play lefty. But I thought maybe that was the same thing happened to so you when you were I younger. I grew up in a different era, guys. And so when I'm in first grade, six years old. The teacher comes to me, and I did everything left-handed. I, I threw, eat, write, everything. And the teacher comes up to me, and but this we didn't have left-handed scissors when I was a kid. Yeah. And the teacher says, Randy, we live in a right-handed world, and you're going to need to change. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Really cool. yeah, yeah. So they actually tried to get me to start writing right-handed, and I wouldn't do it. I did everything 
left-handed. Now all I do is eat and write left-handed. I do everything else right-handed. I never noticed that you do Didn't anything that. left-handed. That's wild. Yeah. So anyway, what do we got on rock and roll? Extremely That's my sad story for the well, day. Well, listen, my dad's not that Dude, much. How about that? Making a telling a six-year-old kid that's you're, where you're an outcast. That's where your 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 school issues may have been. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Randy. <laughs> very well could have. Randy, my my dad's a little bit older than you. Um, went to a different school than you did, obviously. Mm-hmm. He got his hand slapped by a ruler when he tried to do things oh, left-handed. Terrible. Because terrible. The, the, because the nuns told him, you know, that's that's not how we do things. You will do things right-handed. That so my is... dad literally just just kept his head down and would fake it sometimes. and would just But, but now still writes lefty because he wasn't going to lose the battle. That is those absolutely so, amazing. So, so take this as a, a youngster, okay? I can't. The, the, the six- or seven-year-old Randy oh gets wrapped by a nun on the left hand with a ruler, that nun's getting a left-handed right cross or a left hand, left cross right to the jaw, baby. I can see Randy that. He had a problem with authority when he was a child, apparently. Right in the kisser. Oh, my God. Take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe. That believe, was seven-year-old Randy. That would be 60-year-old Randy. Yeah, yeah. Like Papa Rock took it a little bit more on the chin than you did on that one. <laughs> anyway, let's get talking about some college football. There has been some movement in the coaching job yesterday. One of the big ones that popped out to me was... Nebraska trying to look for any savior to pull that program out of the doldrums. Well, they found themselves a former NFL coach. When there's a chance to go back and coach a tradition-rich, history-rich program like Nebraska, and you go in at a time when, let's be honest, this is a good time to go back to Nebraska mm-hmm. and try to build that that place back to some semblance of a nationally relevant program. You know, you want to go in in those situations, certainly you have confidence in that has been tremendously successful in the college ranks. You look at what he did, the way he built Temple uh, from the ashes, and then what he did at, at Baylor to go from, what, one win to 11. Uh, and I like the fact that he's going to be able to assemble a good staff. He's already starting to work on that. And, uh, no, I just think getting back into coaching at a place where he sees a challenge, a real challenge, but he also sees a place that has the resources and tools to build that program back in to a, a top 20 nationally relevant program. A former Nebraska Cornhusker who himself had built a couple programs couldn't really even survive any real semblance of putting together the program. Can a former NFL coach, a guy who, like Chris Lowe on Freddie and Fitzsimmons yesterday, mentioned who rebuilt Temple, who rebuilt Baylor after all the PR problems with them, can he save the Nebraska Cornhuskers football program? No. Here's the thing. You need more? A little bit. (laughs) So here's the thing. CD, I don't think Nebraska will ever be what they were. Are they going to compete with Alabama? Are they going to compete with USC? No, they won three championships in four years back in the 90s. Can they be running running the option? Yes, right, right. (laughs) Can they be Mizzou? Absolutely. Yes. Mizzou and Illinois. That's what they are now. Well, that's their upside, I I think. I will say this about Matt Rule. First of all, Kudos to his agent because Ooh. he's still getting paid by the Carolina Panthers to go away for the next I don't know two or three years. Yeah, it, it, I think ten million a year. It, he's, still, and he's poaching their coaches, and, and and so kudos to him and his agent for for getting paid. I am all for people getting paid. You're going to go get paid by Nebraska. Do I think that they have a chance to to be uh, a nationally ranked team, a team that that is vying for a, a championship year in and year out? No, I don't. I think those years, those days have have passed Nebraska by. Um, but I, I do think that, as you said, there's an opportunity to be what Illinois is or what Mizzou is or what, what, what those programs are trying to be. It's just, it's just not the same that, that the, the, law, the, the, the aura that, that Nebraska once had is not the same and it's not going to be the same. And the kids that, that watch football now, 
they wouldn't be able to tell you who Grant Wistrom is. They wouldn't be able to tell you who, who Lawrence Phillips is. They wouldn't be able to tell you who Eric Crouch or Scott Frost is. Those are the guys that might. I am hip. <laughs> I am hip. Remember him? Yes. Running back? Yes. What a great they, name. They, they, they don't know who these people are. Uh, 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 not Buckhalter. Um, yeah, Amon Buckhalter, Green. That's right. Amon, Amon Green. Green yeah. They wouldn't be able to tell you who those guys are. So, it's not the same history of, of of Nebraska that we grew up on, that I grew up on. He's going to have a tough task there. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose more games. And but but to his to his credit, as I said, he's going to get paid. They're going to mm-hmm. pay him, and he's still getting paid by the Panthers. This man is set up for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to. He can work three years in Nebraska, get fired, and go sit on the beach and relax for the rest of his time. And so, if you're looking at it from that perspective, I take my hat off to him for that. There was one coach out there that was available that could get Nebraska to compete with Ohio State and Michigan. And that's the guy who used to be at Ohio State. That's the one. Which one? The one Isn't that kicks kickers? Isn't Jim Pressel retired? The one that, yeah, that guy. Yeah. The one that kicks kickers? You want him? Randy, let me tell you something. Hey, it's I, about I, winning. I coach, yeah, but it's also about uh, respect and dignity. And I am a high school coach. And if Urban Meyer came into my high school and I had a kid. It, now, I will say this. If I have a kid that doesn't have any other offers and Urban Meyer is the only one, Urban, <laughs> have, have, at it. have at it. But if I have a kid that had Michigan, Ohio State, and Nebraska was coming in with Urban Meyer, Urban, go kick rocks. But keep in mind, though, Urban Meyer was able to go get Aaron Hernandez, right? He was able to get people that had sketchy passes that maybe other teams wouldn't have taken a chance on. True. Because he has a sketchy pass. Yeah, exactly. And like minds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. Is I think that that's the one guy, if you are completely desperate and all you care about is winning and the, the character of your program is not a concern, then he would be the guy. But all Is he ever to, a coach again in college? I think he is. You think so? I think you somebody think, will try think, to rehabilitate, think, rehabilitate You think there's him. a program that is that willing to win football games, that they will go back down that path, knowing all of the things that happened. The man spent one year in Jacksonville and was out of there. And also, yesterday, after after their win, Andrew Wingard, the safety, was talking about Trevor Lawrence like he got out of an abusive home. With with switching, oh, yeah. switching yeah. from the, I mean, switching from Urban Meyer to the current coaching staff. I mean, the way that Wingard talked about Urban Meyer in that uh, press conference, I don't know how anyone would ever want him to coach their son. I'm not even talking about from a per, from a, the personal perspective and the the corporate perspective of of a team hiring a guy like that with all that negative thing. How do you hear the kick kick my player and these guys talking about him essentially holding him hostage in a bad home because you have a booster that says I like winning, but. And, and here's my thing about the Nebraska boosters. They couldn't even roll with a Nebraska guy for, for more he wasn't, than a year. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing what he needed to do in, order to, in, in terms spent, of recruiting and finding you're not wrong. and getting that, getting that team going in the way they needed to go. And the, there was a booster that spent $7.5 million to get rid of him two weeks earlier than the buyout would have cost. <laughs> so the, the boosters are clearly in charge there. I, now, and say, I think Matt Rule will do well. I, I, but relatively speaking, I, I think Matt Rule can have them – as an eight and four, seven and five team on a regular basis. I think the Urban Myers that coached the the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Florida Gators prior to NIL and transfer portal would be successful. I think this Urban Meyer. Good point. This is a t- these players are 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 damn near pro athletes with the money that they can get and with the the leverage that they have. They can leave whenever they want to. They can do whatever they want to in terms of how much money they can make and when they can go and come. So I think that. 
the way that he struggled with NFL players and trying to maintain and and be this 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 you know person that is overall overseeing everything. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be essentially the same thing with some of these college players going back to college. If that was the case for him, it'll probably take a place with boosters. It's really down on its luck, or maybe an FCS, which, by the way, is what Solich did and had a lot of success. Right, like and a, uh, Tressel did had a lot of success, like a University of Texas at some point. Yeah, something like that. There you go. There you go. That's a play. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, our weekly visit with Mike Claiborne. He was on vacation last week. We're going to find out where he was, what he did, and talk a little Cardinals offseason with Mike next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Mike Claiborne is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we understand that we owe Mike Claiborne a belated happy birthday, but not necessarily belated because it's kind of Mike Palooza for the week of Mike <laughs> Mike Claiborne's birthday. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, <laughs> and you're right. Uh, when you get to a certain point in life, you don't use 24 hours. You may use 24 days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know when the last one's going to come, so you might as well take advantage of it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just living it up. and you know, I, I'm like that proverbial bad penny. I may just turn up anywhere. <laughs> so you never know where you may see me over the next few, few weeks. Oh, Clay, you're the best. Claves, where did you go for your, to celebrate your birthday? I know well, it's somewhere know, warm. Well, no. Well, you know, I, I was in the Dominican Republic for a while. Okay. And didn't see one baseball the whole time I was there. <laughs> wow. right? uh, so I hung out there and got some sun, spent some time with my significant, the whole nine yards. Would, would, would have married her, but I forgot about the paperwork you have to do. And then we realized that we needed to have some other people there. So, you know, that that whole thing kind of went haywire in its own way. But I, I'm going to marry her at some point here. Now, she's aware that you were planning this? Or did you say, hey? Yeah, okay. well, she kind of had a hint. But I, it's all, I, mean, I messed up. <laughs> okay. I messed own it. Just own up, it, baby. Right? <laughs> you know, and so, but she's good with it, you know, because, like, every, you know, every, depending on what day you ask her, would you, would she marry me? She's, well, you got, I got to think about what he did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of in that mode. But yeah, it was, it was all good, you know, so uh, recharged, looking forward to what else is going on in the world. You know, this has been a really, uh, Leading up to it, it was a challenging time losing Mr. Martin Matthews, mm-hmm. losing Jay Randolph Jr., losing Fred Hickman. Uh, it, it was a really trying time, but now I'm back. And the last thing Jay Randolph said to me was, man, live for me. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's great. Good. Yeah, he was he was a great man, and we're going to miss him dearly. Meanwhile, Mike, the uh, baseball, you, you might not realize this because you were able to take a vacation and nothing happened, but the baseball off-season free agency period is allegedly underway. You know what? And here's where baseball misses the point. If it's the NBA, and any Blues fan knows the second most important day of the season is July 1st, the first day of, of signing of free agency. And we all look forward to it. We, the same thing in the NFL, the same thing in the NBA. Free agency is a big deal. It's like the second most important date on the calendar. Baseball is like, oh, yeah, it's, it's free agency. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll wait until the last minute and, and overpay for somebody. 
And I just don't know what it's going to take for them to get more energized, to be able to be aggressive and have fans to have something to talk about going into the offseason, buying season tickets and doing all the other things and, and creating promotions knowing that you're going to have a, a better team than you had last year. Mike, I, I, I think this is, again, I hate to blame analytics for everything, but when Bill DeWitt brought in Jeff Luno, he said, I want to put a price on every single player. I want to put a, pl- a value on that player. And everybody has the same access to the same numbers, and they've got the same prices. So nobody's getting emotionally fired up about get, bringing a guy in. And when there's no emotion, when it's that cold, and every player, let's just put it in Christmas present terms, you, you go to Kohl's, you go to Macy's, you go to uh, TJ Maxx, the same thing as nine ninety nine at every store. That's where we are with baseball no uh, that's a great point randy i mean it is what it is not gonna change he's gonna be there you know you may get one uh emotional owner or general manager who might want to jump the gun uh just because he's got nothing else to do that's philadelphia but other than that (laughs) you you know everybody else just kind of sits back and waits because the market has basically already been set and that's the unfortunate thing about what analytics has done to the game because you already know the value of the alleged assets. I always remind people of this, though. Just because you're a free agent doesn't make you an all-star. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful. And the Cardinals, thinking of them, have been better in making trades than they have in free agency. Because you look at the, you look at the two corner guys on your infield, you got them through trades. And then you think about all the people that you've had, whether it's Dexter Fowler or Brett Cecil and some of the other ones that just didn't work out that you gave money to. And you look at each other and say, who thought this guy was a good idea? So they they have to be cautious. And I think other teams are like that as well. But again, I don't it's only because of your birth date that you're a free agent and somebody didn't think enough to resign you. (laughs) But that doesn't make you better at the next stop you you, you take. Hey, Clay, we were talking about this, I think, yesterday, and we were talking about if the Cardinals were to sign Trey Turner uh, and then make a trade for a catcher, say Sean Murphy, which player in that middle infield do you believe would be the the the, the athletics would be looking for? I, I said it would be Brendan Donovan. Uh, Randy thinks it would be Nolan Gorman. Who do you think would be more uh, suitable for a trade if, if that were the case? I think it would be a guy like Brolson, some, mm-hmm. uh, a prospect. Um, and you know, and maybe one of our pitchers that hasn't been given as much of an opportunity. I don't think it's going to take as much as some would think. You know, but the thing is, you know, if you get a Trey Turner, that moves everybody back in the line. That means that then Tommy Edmond goes to second. What do you do with Nolan Gorman? You know, what do you do with the outfield? I mean, there's so many things that happen if you bring in a guy like Trey Turner. Who could change your offense? There's no doubt about it. But it also goes against everything the Cardinals have been about with regard to promoting their own within. So they, they've got an interesting situation to deal with. Uh, I, I would prefer having a, another ace pitcher, somebody I know every fifth day, every fourth day, that's going to give me a chance to win. Um, you know, I think you still need somebody from the left side to do some things. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Walker, from by all accounts, was dynamic in Arizona. Um, he's going to be given every chance to make this ball club. And, you know, it, it would not surprise me if he jumped out of one of those convertibles on opening day.
Wow. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, we're just a couple of weeks away from the bragging rights game. And Carrie and I were talking about this last week. Mizzou's offense is fun. They're scoring a ton of points. So is Illinois. I hope, and I don't know if it's possible, Heck, this year's uh, Bragging Rights game is on SEC TV. It used to be one of the hardest tickets to get in St. Louis. You helped me a few times. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. it was on national TV all the time. Is there a way for Mizzou, Illinois basketball to get back to what it was? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, you know, basketball, college basketball is so spread out where everybody has two good players. And because of the portal, it's even going to be more spread out. I- I'm just not sure. I don't know if those rivalry games will have the impact that it used to, whether it's Duke, North Carolina, or, you know, it used to be Missouri, Kansas when Missouri was good. Uh, you know, I don't know if those rivalry games have the same impact as they used to. So I, I'm going to say no. Uh, Missouri and Illinois had their run, and I think it had a lot to do with the colorful coaches mm-hmm, that they definitely. had, whether it was Lou Henson or Dorm Stewart. You know, those guys were the mainstay because players come and go. But the coaches were always the same guys. And you think about Missouri and how many coaches they've gone through. And Illinois had a few guys that have come and gone as well. Uh, it, I think it starts with them and their personalities and in, in making sure people understand how important this game is. And maybe having a little bit more local flavor from guys from St. Louis or Kansas City or guys from Champaign or Chicago or wherever in the state of Illinois. The local guys would have a lot of impact on that as well. But I just don't see it happening. Hey, Clay, you spoke about the transfer portal. I wanted to get your thoughts on on the transfer portal and, and what that's doing to to college athletics, basketball, football, you know, all sports in general. Well, you know what? Um, I know people, they think it's cool until it happens to your school. <laughs> you know, when it's your school and somebody wants to leave, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> you know, uh, but I think, Kerry, what it's now involved is the NIL has a lot more to do with the portal than anything else. And, you know, you have guys that say, I'm going in the portal. And basically what they're saying is you have X amount of time to make give me more money to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I look at the kid in Mizzou, love it, who's a good player, not a great player, but a good player. You know, where is he going to go where he's going to be even exposed more? And, and that's a question, you know, and it's not about his skill set. It's about what he wants to be financially paid. I mean, he was the best receiver on the team for the most part. I mean, everybody thought about, you know, uh, Luther Burden third. You know, he was dynamic because once he got the ball, he could score. Uh, what I think Lovett had three touchdowns a whole year, and he had, what, over 800 yards in receiving. So, you know, there's a mismatch there with regard to his skill set, and he wants to go in the portal, and I, w- I would think he probably wants to make more money. But to answer your question, I think it's a long time in coming because coaches had done this forever, you know, and I don't know how many coaches you play for at Illinois, Kerry, but if you play for one and you were blessed Mm -hmm. because these guys come and go, but players couldn't, they were stuck. So I don't have a problem with it. And, you know, I, I think it's something we all have to get used to. The only challenge I think we have here is when you have coaches who want to coach, they now have to recruit 24 seven. They, they don't have any time off in making sure that everybody's happy. And the closer those kids are to the university, as far as like a kid who's from St. Louis that goes to Mizzou, he's harder to recruit and keep than the guy who's from Knob Noster, Montana. Because the guy from Montana doesn't really care. He doesn't have that link 
like they have locally. And I think that it's harder for coaches to keep guys locally than it is from when they're distant. And uh, it, it's a challenge, you know, and it really takes away from the game of coaching because you're doing more recruiting than you are coaching people up. All right. One of the great things about having a, uh, a Micah Palooza birthday week, month, 24 days, whatever, is that you get a cool dinner every day for your birthday. So what's the cool dinner for Claves for this birthday day? Well, you know, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I asked some people, I asked me, what are we doing tonight? And I'm like, what do you mean, we? <laughs> <laughs> Last night, uh, it started, I had to do, uh, I, I, I sit on the board at Western University, and man, there's some incredible things going on there that we can talk about down the road. And then emceed an event for the United Way last night. Found my way at Cafe Napoli, of course. I'm stunned. uh, (laughs) Yeah, can you believe it? I'm shocked. I I was blindfolded, and they took me. Oh, wait a minute, where are we? Blindfold you and your car would find its way there. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you know, I I got one step ahead of Tesla. My car knows how to get back. All right. You know, you just push the button. Oh yeah, my car winks at me and says. All right, I know where we're going. <laughs> so, anyway, so I had another buddy who says, "All right, man, we're going to hang out. It's this place, uh, King of Soul in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Great place that I may end up there this week. But you know, and then I'm going to Hall and Oats or Daryl Hall on Thursday. Demetrius Johnson and I are going to go, and we're going to have the time. Right? Like, That's you know, awesome. it's amazing what you learn about people. He and I were just talking about music one day, and he told me who he loves listening to. I was like, "You got to be kidding me." So now he and I are going to that. Friday, who knows? Saturday, I'm in San Diego. Baseball winter meeting start next week. Nice. So I think I need to go out and make sure the weather is okay in San Diego ahead of time. And uh, next, I guess it's next Wednesday, I'm getting that MAC award uh, at the MAC. I'm going, getting an award with some wonderful people. Uh, Yuri Collins, uh, Ali Marmo, Bruce Affleck, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be part of that. And, man, you know what? Like I said earlier, I'm like a bad penny, man. I just turn up anywhere. So who knows what, Who knows where I'll end up tonight? Well-deserved. Well-deserved. And we will uh, utilize you as our – I'm hiring you right now as the, the opening drives of winter meetings correspondent. There you go. Well, it's about time I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Clay, have a great day. As, as always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. All right, man. You guys have a great week as well. And, uh, and Kerry, man, what you guys are doing is just epic, man. I'm loving what you guys are doing every day, having so much fun and, and making things and sports entertaining. I appreciate, I appreciate that. You guys. Thank you. Have a great All day, right, Michael. That's our buddy Mike Claiborne joining us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Mike Palooza, I love it. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch toward a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Ryder just came in and told uh, Matthew that he's going to have a lot of work during the holidays. And I we're laughing your, at him. I wish your mic would have been up when you made that sound. Yeah, that was Remember? funny. <laughs> that was funny. T-Mac and Ajax are coming up. That was funny. Uh, By the way, starting on Thursday, December 1st, join in the holiday spirit by supporting this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts, hosted by the Fast Lane and 101 ESPN. Donate at least 25 bucks online between December 1st and December 12th. 
To support the Little Bit Foundation, you'll get your choice of either a Jamie Rivers or a Brad Thompson 101 ESPN jersey as a gift for your donation. Do we have like a number 48 for BT? And is it 6 or 20 for Jamie? It's 6 for Jamie. So you can get those. Make your donation starting Thursday, December 1st, during the Fast Lane's 12 Days of T-Shirts at 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN's 12 Days of T-Shirts is powered by McBride Homes. We have uh, the Blues off today and tomorrow. They're back at it on Thursday. So tonight here on 101 ESPN, we'll have the instant replay for you between 6 and 7. And uh, CD, congratulations to your Steelers. Oh, thank you. Big win. Big win. Big, big win. Much needed. How times have changed, man. Remember the the great tackle by Ben Roethlisberger? Do you remember? When when Jonathan Taylor fumbled that ball Mm -hmm. last night, it looked similar to what what, uh, Jerome did, what Bussy did. It might have been in the same end zone. looked like it was going the same way. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Were you watching the soccer game today? Uh, I'm going to be watching it at home because SLU has practice at 2 o'clock, which I'm going to go go cover some uh, SLU practice. By the way, we got a great text that we weren't able to get to because it was never 100% what we were talking about. Somebody said, texted and said, is Jonathan Taylor going to be the next Steven Jackson? And I really liked that text. Hmm. I have a great I career, but the Colts, not be a Hall of Famer? I, can't, I, just, yeah. I just can't see the Colts cha- you know, being that much better in the next find a two years. They gotta find a quarterback. Yeah. Defense disappointed me okay. this year. Defense yeah. didn't really do what I was expected to. The last Shaquille four years of Steven's career here in St. Louis... The team was systematically trying to tear down. And I, I honestly do think, even though he might not execute it very well, I think that Jimmy Ursay's intentions are good. Yeah. I just don't think he really has a clue as to what, what he has going on. And, hey, Stephen made the mistake here of signing. He, he took the money, yeah. got the big contract, but he would have been a hell of a lot better off elsewhere. Sometimes it happens that way. Yep. Get paid. Sometimes you don't get, get, the, get the rings so, that you want. Here's what should have happened. And you might not have loved this. No, you wouldn't have cared. So Stephen holds out in 2007. Yeah, four, five, six. Holds out in 2007, the same year that the Steelers used their number one on Mendenhall. Oh. And if he would have held out, maybe the Steelers give up that pick for Stephen Jackson, a 24-year-old Stephen Jackson. Hmm. That would have been interesting. Yeah, rather than taking Mendenhall, you got Steven Jackson on your side? And would he have been the ideal stealer? Yes, he would have ran the ball downhill. Yeah. Problem is, we wasn't running the ball. We were audibly changing place. So, <laughs> right. And as you know, really. despite the 90-catch season he had here, Ben Roethlisberger sometimes didn't really like running thrown to his back outside the, uh, uh, the backfield, huh? did not want to take shots downfield, don't you, Ben? Right. Yep. Or at least in the middle uh, of the field. Nah. CD, enjoy the, the football game today. I will. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I, I will watch and have a great USA. time. Yeah. USA. And hope and hope that we get our first okay. win in eight years. I know Kerry Davis better than this. Enjoy your nap. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. <laughs> You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.